Batgirl. I still can't believe it. How could you keep something like this from me? You weren't exactly honest with me, either. But you told him. He knew. It wasn't my place to tell you. But it was your place to put her in danger. It wasn't like that. I volunteered. You think you did? You don't know him like I do. He manipulates, pulls strings, anything to get what he wants. I thought we had the same goals. Things change. I changed. The game's over, Batman. I quit. Robin, wait. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Mark Tiberius Lemke, Chicago Blackhawks fan. This podcast is part of the Batman Universe Podcast Network. You can help support the Batman Universe by heading over to patreon.com slash the Batman Universe. My name is Tim, and we are on episode 142. I'm going to be the host for this one because, unfortunately, uh, Dame has a, still continued to have a busy schedule and wasn't able to make it. But don't worry, I'm not doing it by myself this time. <laughs> Joining me for his first Batfans podcast appearance is someone I got to know uh, over on Twitter for a couple of years now, I would believe, and he's making his podcast debut with us on the Batfans podcast, and that is Jake Lane. Jake, welcome. Hey, man. Thanks for having me. Yeah, totally. It's cool to have you on. Like I said, we've been kind of get to know each other pretty good on Twitter over the last what, mm-hmm. year or two, I would say. I think at least, um, I think, yeah, something like that. Yeah, so uh, connected over Twitter and geeking out about comics, movies, and most recently, I should say, what we've been yes. geeking out over has been the latest Foo Fighters album, yes. <laughs> Concrete and Gold. And yeah, how awesome has it been listening to that for the last week and a half or so? Yeah, uh, my wife, I think, might be sick of it. But uh, <laughs> so it's funny. So today I was at work and I came home and my five and a half year old was singing The Sky is a Neighborhood because uh, oh, nice. he he loves that song. Um but uh, I watched that carpool karaoke, and Dave's face popped up, and Calvin looks over at me and goes, hey, it's the guy from the Beatles. Uh, <laughs> and I was like, yeah, okay. Um, but, uh, yeah, that record, man, the new one is is amazing. Um, you know, they had talked about going in a different direction, and sometimes you don't really know what that means, uh, mm. but I was pleasantly surprised, and Taylor was on the money when he said that it's kind of their space record, uh, yes. and I, I love it so much. Yeah, me too. Right when I first, I was really getting excited for it because, like you said, all the talk they've been doing mm-hmm. leading up to it and all these interviews, and just so anxious to hear the sound of it. And it delivered <laughs> for me anyway because I really, really enjoy it. Yeah. And I will say too, I think when the album first came out last week, we were talking about some of our favorite songs, mm-hmm. and I said probably my least favorite and the one that has to grow on me is the final track, Concrete and Gold. Mm-hmm. And it's been a week now, and it's growing on me. So <laughs> I'm good. digging that song. <laughs> I'm still, a lot more than I I'm still like so that's one of my favorite songs and it might be that and then like uh Dirty Water is so good and uh you know uh T-shirt is such a cool way to open the album uh, yeah kind of reminds me of how Doll opened up the color and the shape yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I was thinking about that today cuz I I they've on a couple of their records they've done like these like minute and a half long songs where like you want more out of them but it's mm-hmm. just like a quick little snippet of something um, cause they had a song called hell on in your honor. That was like one of those quick little yeah. minute 45, uh, kind of songs. And 
T-shirt is a is a, such a cool way to open the record. But yeah, just like Color and the Shape, it opens like that. It's cool. Yeah, yeah. My favorite tracks right now will probably be La Di Da and Make It Right. Those two just get stuck each, every day. It's either one of those songs that gets stuck in my head. Like right when I wake up, it's either that <laughs> opening riff to <laughs> Make It Right or even just a hi hat that introduces the song just gets stuck in my head. <laughs> yeah. Well, and then when they talked about having the biggest pop star in the world on their album, I thought for sure. Because they wouldn't, that was the one thing that they didn't talk about. They talked about Paul McCartney drumming on Sunday Rain. They talked about uh, Allison from the Kills being on the album, but they didn't talk about this person. So I, for like the last month, have been thinking that it was either going to be Madonna or Elton John. Mm. Um, and JT just totally, you know, maybe because he's been around for most of my life, but I'm just like, oh, I didn't even think about him being on there. Um, and then when Dave talked about it in the Rolling Stone interview, I was like, man, but he's been keeping it a secret. Would he really say this? Because, you know, Paul McCartney drums, which is more than what JT does on the record. Yeah. Why would he keep that a secret if it's so, uh, not insignificant, but such a smaller kind of portion than somebody else did? But uh, he added the the la-la-las in the, in the back of, uh, of Make It Right, which is, it's pretty cool. I like it a lot. Yeah, it sounds perfect yeah. with the song. I just think it's funny how like the guest appearances on the record or just people you bumped into in the parking lot yeah. <laughs> while making this record. Yeah. It's like, hey, you yeah. want to be on this? Yeah. Um, and then he said recently that uh, Queens of the Stone Age was also um, recording a new album like a block away, and they would hang out every day because obviously uh, Josh Homme was in uh, Them Crooked Vultures, which is amazing. Um, yeah, and they're due for a new album. It's right? been like 10 years almost, man. They need another one. Yeah, I know. Um, and so they saw each other every day, but neither of them played on the album. And I think I tweeted to you saying that, um, uh, which one? Uh, Dirty Water sounds yeah. kind of groovy, like a Queens of the Stone Age song. And then that would have been like the perfect thing for Josh to sing back up on. Um, it was, I don't know, it's such a groovy, I, I like it a lot. So that Concrete and Gold is still like 1B on uh, for me on the record. It's, I just, I love it so much. Yeah, nine record ins now and they're still going strong, which is awesome and I couldn't be happier. <laughs> I know, and I'm hoping they pull like a, when they release St. Cecilia, like a year after they did Sonic Highways, uh, that was like a cool little, like most of those are really old songs, but they it gave us something in between. I'm mm-hmm. hoping we don't have like another three or four year gap um, between records. Uh, I hope, you know, within the next two years we get something new from them just because they're at that peak where it's like, you know, they can almost do whatever they want. And this was so good that uh, I'd, I'd be looking forward to more of this. Um, uh, and then even in like, you know, crazier twists and turns if they have that up their sleeve. But ninth record, they're not slowing down. Uh, you know, they're all in their what mid to late forties. Uh, mm. so they can, they can keep going for a while. Yeah, definitely. And the music is going to be way better off for yeah. it. That's yeah, for yeah, darn yeah. sure. All right. So yeah, before we get into the show, uh, Jake kind of, uh, tell us about, you know, your Batman fandom or how you got into Batman comics and all that stuff. Kind of your history, I guess, becoming a geek like us. <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, I, I assume it's like everybody else. I was a kid. Um, I remember, you know, 89 came out and I was, I was four or almost four. I don't know when in the year it came out, but, uh, I didn't see it when I was obviously that young, but I mean, I might've, I, I lived a lot with my grandfather and he had a lot of movies that were just on constantly. 
Um, so I remember seeing like Alien and Chucky and all these movies that just played on TV um, all the time and didn't really think anything of them. It's just kind of normal and old westerns and that kind of stuff. And I remember uh, we had Batman 89 on VHS and it must have it was recorded off of uh, TV, obviously, but it had like those old like Coca-Cola commercials that were looped in mm-hmm. too. And I remember those just so vividly playing and just being like, whoa, this is the greatest. And then, you know, Michael Keaton is my favorite actor of all time. Um, and that was kind of the the starting point for me. Um, I remember being, what was it, 97? Or no, no, it was 95 when Batman Forever came out, right? I, yep. I, was, mm-hmm. I was asked by a friend in elementary school to go see that movie. And uh, my grandpa said no. He 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 denied me. I couldn't go see it in the theater. Oh man! <laughs> uh, and uh, and I don't know if it was because in '95 I was nine or ten. Uh, I think nine in the summer is when it came out, so I would have been nine. And I think he saw the trailer, and I think it was too like Nicole Kidman stuff was maybe too sexy for a nine year old mm. to maybe go see. In the theater. <laughs> uh, and looking back now as a parent, I'm like, well, clearly he made the right choice. Like I shouldn't have gone to see that movie uh, in the theater, but I remember being super bummed. But growing up, we collected comics, and um, you know, my brother, my older brother, was super into Marvel. He was more of like an X Men, uh, Deadpool, X Force kind of guy. Still like Batman and a lot of stuff, but I would say I, I'm even now he's much more of a, of a Marvel fanatic, mm. um, and I kind of skew towards the DC side of it. Um, you know, we still argue via text message over Batman versus Superman and uh, <laughs> all that's this awesome. stuff. So you know, it it gets annoying, but it's you know it's fun, and that's that's where it all started. Um, and then uh, you know was disappointed with Batman and Robin, even at a young age. It was like this is such trash. Um, and, uh, in 2004 or five is when I found Batman on film. Um, and I quickly kind of got on the boards there and started connecting with, that's the first time that I really started connecting with other people who fell in love with this thing like I did. Mm -hmm. Um, and with the internet, it's so easy to meet people and kind of connect. And that was back when like, uh, you know, the internet was kind of still new-ish to a lot of people, so it was cool to to see this thing that this guy had started, and everybody was connecting about it, and the message boards, and that's where I met uh, like Martin Deere and uh, Ben Cooper and Chris Cooper, um, uh, John Beerley, Mark Hughes, uh, Sean Gerber, all those guys I met on that forum, and we've all been friends now for what 2017, God, 11 or 12 years. Um, it's crazy when you think it's been that it's, long. <laughs> okay, so last year, Martin Deere, wa- he was living in Houston, got sent up to Seattle for a conference, uh, and he's from London, and they shipped. The- he got sent over to uh, to the States for his job, and so we got to meet for the first time in person in 11 years of being friends. Um, and so, that was, oh, nice. was, yeah, that was such a hugely cool thing, and we met because we were both Batman fans and stumbled upon this website, and we connected there 11 years ago. So, um, you know, it's oh, it's always great to to meet other fans and kind of pick their brains. Then you become friends, and before you know it, it's like, wait a minute, how long have I known you? Um, so um, I think Herman was on there. I don't know if Paul was on there, but I met him kind of soon after that. Um, yeah, and I think it's pretty much how we got connected on Twitter was through Paul because – 
I've been friends with Paul for a few years now, and just even at first, like back in 2011 <laughs> when he was first on the Martin Myth Media podcast, that's mm. where I first heard him and connected with him on Twitter and social media and all that stuff. And then I just think uh, probably through conversations on Twitter where maybe we'd be talking and then you chime in or you two would be talking and I chime in, then we just started following each other. <laughs> that's <laughs> just, the thing, man. Like I, yeah. gotta, I wish I had a better memory of how I met people because like, I know it's like generically, yeah, we met on Twitter and online and stuff, but it's like, what, what, what was the like the thing? Like, What was the first thing that I said to you that like connected us? And Yeah. <laughs> you know, I wish I wish Twitter features had like an archive for like everyone that you follow and like the, all that stuff to make it easier to go check out that stuff, but um, no, I've known who you were for a while. Um, you and Paul talk a lot of music. Um, mm-hmm. you're a big 311 guy. Um, I know that. And, oh, yes. <laughs> um, you know, we've talked, I want to say it's been a couple of years. Um, and we've, you know, so this is the first time we've actually connected, which has been good. But, you know, I, I, <laughs> my wife kind of doesn't make fun of me, but, but points out when I'm like, oh, I got to go talk to my friend. She's like, oh, is this another one from like the forums? And I'm like, well, yeah. So uh, <laughs> usually, you know, if we can have a conversation and be civil or debate or whatever, I can be friends with whoever. So I always call anybody that I meet that, that we have more than one conversation as my friend. So uh, I was like, hey, I got to go podcast with my friend. I'll be back in a little bit. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. That's awesome, man. So, the beauty of the internet now, man. <laughs> kind of hard to well, imagine where, I don't know where we'd be the internet in. now, but uh, ten years ago, yes, it was a, a fun place, and now it's like, ugh, I don't know if I want to. That is true. I don't know if I want to log on Twitter right now. <laughs> that is definitely true, but I will say there's enough good that balances out the bad, oh, just depending yeah, on, totally. yeah. <laughs> I guess, who you're interacting and with. And you can so. choose to block out all the crappy stuff if you want to, but exactly the keyword being if you want to, so. <laughs> all right cool yeah so like i said thanks it's great to have you on here and now we get to jump in and talk a lot of batman on this episode so as always we're going to start with our dark knight rises minute by minute commentary and it's going to be from minutes 91 to 92 so jake do you have your dark knight rises ready to go i do i just want to confirm uh that it's uh he's on the walkie-talkie right now yep cool. that's exactly where i okay, have it perfect all right so Everyone who's uh, listening and following on with us for the last uh, hour and a half <laughs> and one minute, go ahead and get ready. And we're going to start the countdown in three, two, one, go. And Foley is on the walkie-talkie talking to John Blake. Very serious. Yes. Ah, <laughs> oh, Gordon, he's all hooked up. And I don't know if we're going to get to that shot in this minute, but there's that one shot of uh, Blake that we got in the trailer, which made me wonder, what's he doing like this? Busting into a room with that shotgun, like, yeah. Is, yeah. is Batman going to be involved in that sequence anyway? It's but hard <laughs> now. Yep. Yeah this this whole sequence. I mean, I remember being in the movie theater watching this. Like everything from when the football stadium started crumbled, and you get yeah. the, you see the bridges crumble, then you hear was Gordon. Just, you know, is that the perfect moment where the the movie needed a little bit, you know, a little more I don't know, action or intensity to go on? to with this uh, sequence I'll play with it, I thought. So that that little speed car chase scene, that's such mm-hmm. a cool shot of him going through those doors. Yep, that's um, the one in the trailer. Yeah, yeah that's a great – because I think in the in the trailer, I thought that somebody was – and then Gordon's like weary and getting out of bed. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought in the trailer he was being chased by like Bane or I, we were trying to connect the dots of, of who he's running away from. Um, 
And so now we just see that he's just trying to get to Gordon because he knows something's about to happen. Yep. Uh, and Gordon didn't even eat his alpha. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, and then Gordon, you know, eight years older and a little, a little, uh, a little weary, but still can kick some butt. Yep. All right, so that was our minute for The Dark Knight Rises. But before we get off the topic of The Dark Knight Rises, where do you stand on the movie, Jake? Because I know it's pretty split amongst Batman fans is where it falls in their oh, range yeah. and what they think of it. All right, I'm going to, I'm going to try to say this for the last time. Okay. <laughs> I've, I've gotten into, uh, Twitter debates with, with friends of mine, um, uh, I saw the movie like everyone else in the theater and I really liked it. I never, the ending never sat well with me. Hmm. Um, I personally, yeah, it, it, it wraps up Nolan and what he wanted to do really nicely in terms of anybody can wear the mask. Uh, it's a symbol all that stuff. And I totally get that. And the first two films are like as perfect as perfect can get in terms of movies. This one, uh, I didn't like that. All it took for him to go away was Rachel dying. I think that, Mm -hmm. you know, if your parents can die and you can find some kind of purpose with that, I think that the love of your life, you could, you should find some purpose within that. Um, I didn't like the ending just because uh, when uh, John Beerley and I were talking about it and I asked him to co-write something with me for Modern Myth Media and he was like, look, man, I can't. I've said enough about it. Uh, I don't want to get like all this hate mail because like I had people unfollow me, like all this stuff. And he brought up a really good point that I didn't even think about. So by the time this movie ends and Bruce and Selena are off on their vacation, he's only physically like Batman for less than like 200 days or something uh, mm-hmm. in like a 10 year time span. Cause what begins takes place over a couple of months. And then dark Knight is what? Six months later. If that uh, like a year later. Uh, yeah. I want to say like around a year or something like that. So there's a whole year of him being Batman, the dark Knight. It takes place over the course of, I can't remember if it's a few weeks or a few months or whatever it is. And then that's over. And then it's eight years he comes back as Batman for, I don't know, a couple days, maybe day and a half, two days, whatever it is. Uh, cause he's gone for so long mm-hmm. and it's like, look, I get it, but I don't like that Bruce Wayne is alive and out there in the world and just totally passes off the cowl and says, you know what? It's not my problem anymore. Me and Selena are going to go and like, you know, uh, rehabilitate each other and, uh, we're going to forget all about it and just kind of live our life. Um, so I like it. I don't love it. It's to me, it's disappointing way to end the trilogy. Um, that doesn't mean it's not a good movie because for what it is, it's great, but I just, I can't, I don't know. I just can't, I just, I don't know. I don't like it. And then Gordon's like lying and it's all built on a lie. And it's just so much stuff that just doesn't make sense to me. Um, while I was fast forwarding to get to that 190, it's like, man, we're 40 minutes in and there's so much packed into this movie. Um, and it was close to two and a half hours, but whatever. I, it was fine. It was fine how he ended it the way that he wanted to end it. He had that right. Uh, but after the dark night, it's like, uh, I feel like it's a step back and not necessarily a step forward to, to end the trilogy the way that it should have ended. Sure. I, I can understand that. And those are all, valid criticisms that I have some of those as well, especially the amount of time that 
Bruce with Batman throughout the whole course of the okay. movie. But at the same time, what you were saying about how, you know, the story that Nolan was trying to tell, I, I thought it wrapped it up in a great way with mm-hmm. that. And, you know, what makes it fine too, where if it was like the only Batman movie trilogy we're ever going to get, there would be, I think, probably a lot more disappointment with me in it <laughs> yeah. because there'd be so much potential that wasn't uh, done with it. But yeah. in this era where are with superhero movies and knowing what's coming next, like it's good for have that trilogy and its little well, in its and place and time with too. that. Like I totally, I totally agree. And now that you know, a lot of people have said like this is like their Batman. So kind of anything that comes after this is kind of fair game because they got what they wanted to see, uh, kind of in their hearts and minds when it comes to how they interpret the character. So I totally get like, oh, we're gonna, there's gonna be a new Batman movie like every four years or whatever. So, um, I, I completely, yeah, we're gonna get something different, which is really good. Um, and, uh, there's gonna be kind of something for everybody. There kind of already is something for everybody. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, I do agree with that. There will be more, um, so maybe somewhere, uh, the the third film of the trilogy will speak to me in my heart, and I'll say yes. Yeah, <laughs> um, but this <laughs> this wasn't that movie. But, yeah, eventually, somewhere down the line in our lifetime, there'll be that perfect <laughs> ending well, see, to but, a Batman. You know, there was all that talk of because Nolan does one movie at a time about uh, because Heath had passed away and he wasn't sure if he was going to do a third movie, and it's kind of like you know what that would have been kind of a, a killer ending uh, if if that had kind of stayed the way that it was and and Batman kind of took that and ran off and if that ended that would have been like the greatest one-two uh punch in the history of movies with with batman begins in the dark knight um because that was just god that was so epic um i know i mean how excited did you get in the theater when joker said that line like you and i are destined to do this forever well (laughs) so i mean so you're and it's you're watching this thing and it's impossible not to just have your heart shatter for what happened to heath ledger Mm -hmm. um because you know there was uh, there was all this talk about like the Joker had like really kind of messed him up. And then every, like he just can't, or not he just, but they, they put a documentary together about his life and all this stuff. And I think his, his parents were involved and his sister was involved. And I had seen clips of it where people, his super close friends are talking about him and how excited he was for the Joker and all this stuff that he had done and how he'd never been so excited to be in a, in, in character and in a role. And everyone was unanimous in saying like, look, there were reports that this was happening, but that couldn't be further from the truth. Like he was so excited to go to work every day and do this character and see kind of dailies. And I think the only thing he ever saw was the, uh, was the prologue was the bank robbery scene completed. Mm. Um, I don't think he ever saw the movie. Um, and so, yeah, you're watching this movie and you just, I'm mesmerized by that first kind of cackle laugh that he has. And he enters the room with all the bosses and mm-hmm. the magic trick was just like, wait, what is happening right now? This is too amazing. Um, and then you almost like, okay, yeah, Batman's about get when's Joker going to come back? When's he going to come back? And then he just pops up out of nowhere. Uh, and it's just a, a, a roller coaster ride. But, you know, he's upside down and he says that we're destined to do this forever. And, and you kind of think like, oh, God, what, what could the third one have looked like uh, if if he didn't pass away, like what, what this, like, you know what I mean? Like, could this have been even better? Would he have brought him back? I feel like you kind of have to, but you know, but it was seeing that for the first time in the movie theater was just, was mesmerizing. Yep. 
And for what I read too, I think yeah, the plan was to bring him back for the third one, but I don't think we'll ever know what that plan was and how far along. I guess yeah. whatever story idea the Nolans had to do it with that. I hope one day, maybe sometime down the line when we're like a few, maybe what twenty years removed from the Dark Knight, he yeah. maybe share a little more light on that and just maybe see what he had originally planned for that. Yeah. If, uh, and that's what, you know, I know a lot of people who are kind of in the know who are like, well, and he only does one movie at a time. And I'm like, well, that's all well and good, but that doesn't, just because you think about something and, and have ideas for something doesn't mean that you're necessarily like actively working on it. You can exactly. spit all ideas. And I'm sure that they had a million of them, but. I know, just like from the creative mind, I don't think you can help but not think of future possibilities and yeah. stories. And even as you're working, I'm sure it's like, well, man, if we come back for another one, you know, what could that look like? And, you know, I've, I've envisioned that. I even thought, uh, and this is kind of a weird segue, but when when Inception came out, and the first time I saw that movie, I had a hard time not picturing Heath Ledger in uh, in Leo's role for that movie, mm-hmm. um, just because Nolan likes to work with a lot of the same people, and he had done that immediately after, uh, or before The Dark Knight, wasn't it? Or after or before Rises it, came out. Yeah, it was after The Dark Knight. Yeah, mm-hmm. and I was like, man, he would have been awesome in this role, too, but he was so good. Um and so, uh, yeah, I hope maybe maybe 20 years out we get some, well, we were kind of thinking about this because of X, Y, and Z, and we can all go, ah! Uh, I know. Yeah. We'd both be excited and disappointed <laughs> probably at the same time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. But it's just one of those things, you know. But Rise is like, I love Gary Oldman. I love his Commissioner Gordon. I love the scene when, when, when Batman looks down and says, the thing he says about putting his something as reassuring as putting a coat over a little boy's shoulders to let him know mm. that his world hasn't crumbled. It's like, God, what a moment. Yeah. Um, and, you know, stuff like that. The Talia death scene, it's like, okay, I can almost look past that stuff. But then other times I'm like, man, Nolan, you're so good. Why did you leave that in the movie? Um, yeah. <laughs> it's one of those things where, it's, you know, it doesn't necessarily hurt or kill the movie, but it's just, it is awkward. Yeah. <laughs> you just can't help but laugh uh, sometimes. When and you then, it. you know, the last thing I'll say about it, cause I know, I know we got to move on is I, so you go through the movie and Bane's like this super ruthless dude and Tom Hardy is so good. Him and I've never seen anybody act as well behind a mask besides mm. him. And, uh, uh, what's his face? V for Vendetta. Um, Hugo Weaving. Hugo Weaving, because he did V, and then uh, even as uh, uh, as Red Skull, um, he's yeah. got a couple of things where it's like these two and their voices and what they can do, and even talking with their eyes, they're so good at that. And I think that people underestimate that type of acting. Um, and then so you get to the movie, and then uh, you're kind of talking. They're in the they're in the the cave, and they're talking about this story, and then and you tur- if you find out that Bane is basically protecting this girl and so it's like wait a minute is he like this mega villain or is he kind of like a tragic character that i kind of feel bad for now because he's protecting her and he kind of got the short end of the stick and now he's just taking orders and so by the end of the movie i just kind of felt bad for him um uh kind of being manipulated a little bit but also you know helping out this this kid that he didn't want to see get hurt and it's like well is that a bad thing no i don't really think it is and so I don't know. I just thought it was too blurry in terms of is he a villain? He's just taking orders. She's the real villain, but he, she's not that great. And anyway, Dark Knight Rises gets like a four out of ten, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> and now people yeah. who listen to this show are gonna tweet at me. That's fine. 
<laughs> well, see, I like to think those who are disappointed with the Dark Knight Rises, or even those who love it and you know don't like it when people you know either critique it or say they don't like it. It's been what five years now since the movie came out. Hopefully, they can you know <laughs> accept when those have problems or critiques about it that it won't yeah. mess up their day or whatever. <laughs> so, uh, do you do you follow Justin Kowalski on Twitter? Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. So he uh, he's a friend of mine, and he. <laughs> He's in our boat, or he's in my boat, where he doesn't think it's it's that great. And he had posted this like super short video of the rooftop fight scene with Batman and Catwoman fighting off the the mm-hmm. Shadows people. And he's and his tweet is something like, "Look at look in the background." And there's a couple of dudes who just fall. They weren't they didn't get punched or anything, but they just like they're fighting and they threw a punch and then nothing hits them, but they like crumble to the ground. Um, and I'm like, "Whoa, I've never seen that." And I went back and looked at it. I was like, what the heck is happening? How do people not know that this is in the movie? Uh, <laughs> he didn't throw a batarang. No punch was thrown. But he was like, oh, I got hit by air. So I'm going to fall down now. Wow. Uh, I know there's that part not too long after where the gunfight, like they're shooting at Bruce or Batman and Catwoman. Mm-hmm. And if I remember right, some of the men get shot during that. Like, But it wasn't have to do with, with that sequence. It was before that where just Batman and Catwoman were punching thugs. And just yeah. somewhere in the background, people just fall. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's a couple of things that I'm like, man, I don't know. I don't know if they just wanted to get through this thing or what, but, you know, Bale was great. He's always amazing, and Gary Oldman's amazing, and I loved, like, the Robin twist. I thought that was great, and um, one of my favorite moments was when uh, Robin uh, went to his house and just totally called him out, mm-hmm. and the way that he knew that it was Bruce Wayne just floored me. Because then you think about it, and it's like, who else would know that kind of pain other than someone who's been there and can see it? Totally. Um, and I thought that that was such a great moment. Um, so, you know, the movie has its moments, but overall, I just can't piece it all together. Well, I think the one thing you can definitely say is that it is no Batman and Robin. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. oh boy, there's literally nothing good to come out of Batman and Robin except one thing. And that is what our feature topic is going to be for this episode. <laughs> and I've been dying to talk about this because it's, well, first off, I'll just say it's 20 years of the new Batman adventure season of Batman, the animated series. And that got green. Uh, the whole series got green light because they needed something to tie in with the new Batman movie coming out that year and Batman mm. and Robin. And it's funny when, cause this series is kind of looked at, it's kind of like the black sheep of Batman, the animated series. Mm. And, the reason I've been like, so anxious to talk about it, I've been waiting for the perfect time and what better time than 20 years since uh, the first episode of the season debuted, which was on September 13th. Mm. And this season of Batman, the animated series, I'm going to be in the minority here. It's probably my favorite. Mm. There's just, a, I really love what they've done with the characters and just the mature storytelling went to another level. I thought in this season and just looking back on it, I remember, like I said, uh, hearing about it before Batman and Robin came out, and I was supposed to be a tie to that. And I had a friend of mine, his name is Jason Palmer, and he's an artist. And he had, you know, friends at Warner Brothers Animation who, like, kind of in the know of what's going on there. And he, you know, told me about it pretty early on before I think it was, like, even, like, officially announced. And he was kind of preparing me to be like, uh, don't think it's just, you know, going to be another season of Batman the Animated Series. It's going to be totally different. And, it might even be more lighthearted, more akin to you know the movie that's coming out. And when I heard that, I was like, I don't know about that. But at the same time, you know, it's a new Batman cartoon by the guys who did the animated series. I'm still going to be excited about it. 
And then I remember being at a Tower Records of, of all places, looking at a magazine. I don't even remember what magazine it was, <laughs> but they had a featured article about the upcoming series. And I saw the first images of uh, a few new character designs like Batman and Tim Drake as Robin. Like, oh, this actually looks pretty cool. It's different, but, you know, still has that vein of the animated series that I know and love. But then when it finally came on, it was a Saturday, I remember. I mean, that whole season, it was being billed as the Batman Superman adventures. Like mm-hmm. Some days you'd have it as some Superman episodes, and sometimes you get new episodes of Batman or old episodes of the animated series. So depending on which day it was <laughs> of what hero you got to see on TV. But I remember seeing that first episode, Holiday Nights. And it was a kind of a strange one to debut the new series on because it's, you know, three vignettes, three shorts of episodes that made up to one, all holiday themed. And it was good. The first one was Harley and Ivy, you know, poisoning or brainwashing Batman or Bruce Wayne to buy him tons of uh, merchandise. <laughs> then the second one was, was Barbara uh, fighting Clayface at a shopping, uh, like shopping center or mall. And then the third one, that's the one where made me think, okay, this show is different. But I like I love the way it's going because it was a Joker uh, New Year's Eve one where he's gonna blow up everyone by <laughs> with this loud bell on the New Year's Eve once it hit midnight, <laughs> and then just the way that ending fight sequence played out was just so different. Where seeing Joker grab a gun, shoot Batman at point blank range in the arm I was like, whoa, they're doing this now on <laughs> a cartoon show. Like they never could have gotten away with that. In the last, the first seasons of Batman, the animated series, like, okay, okay, this one's gonna be, you know, like I said before, being that more mature range. Like, that was my first hint, that very first episode where Joker just shot Batman in the arm. I was like, okay, I think this series is gonna be something good. <laughs> and in the end, once it was all said and done, it did become something great, in my opinion. There's really some truly great episodes that, you know, just took the storytelling to a whole nother level. So mm-hmm. I-, I love it. And before I start getting into, you know, some of my favorite episodes, uh, what were like, your first impression of seeing it for the first time, Jake? Um, so I was big into the animated series um, and and was was floored by that as a kid because we'd watch it was like that and Urkel and like all this stuff that I remember from from childhood. Mm. Um, I probably watched the the new Batman adventures, um, but I haven't seen them in forever. Um, is uh, the episode where Robin quits? Is that in this series? Yes, it is. Old wounds. Yeah, so that one I remember because uh, seeing it's like you said before, like it was kind of more mature storytelling, um, and that's saying a lot coming from the animated series, which had mm-hmm. was pretty serious. Um, and so I remember that episode because up to that point we'd never really seen, you know, Dick throw a punch at Batman and like those two kind of be heated and him growing up uh, and things changing and not seeing eye to eye and kind of like that angsty kind of stuff. And that was such a big deal when you love these characters for so long seeing that. Um, and that episode sticks out a lot in my mind. And then also uh, seeing Nightwing for the first time yep. um, who, so Dick Grayson for me, is probably a top three character of mine uh, in all of comics, any character. Um, and Nightwing is, you know, is such an awesome... Yeah, it's Dick Grayson. Everybody knows that he was Robin. But Nightwing is, is I guess, was, was kind of overlooked for so long. 
um, and then seeing that that black outfit with the kind of teal blue and um, it was kind of badass and it was cool to see that finally happen in a show um, and uh, those two things those, those those are two biggest things that I remember from that show um, and really liking that they finally did that stuff. Yeah, I totally agree. That's another reason why I just love the season of Batman the Animated Series. This is the big change it had for the characters. I mean, you mentioned Dick Grayson as Nightwing. It's just so cool that we got to see, you know, a few years of Dick Grayson as Robin mm-hmm. being Batman psychic in the animated series. And then we see him grow into, you know, his own hero and how that all came about. Like you mm-hmm. said, that awesome episode, Old Wounds. The and- continuity of, of those shows back then was, was phenomenal. Yep. Um, so good. Know, we, I kind of feel like, you know, Batman fans in particular have been really spoiled in terms of what we've gotten over like the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. Um, but looking at those animated episodes and, you know, I, we, my wife and I have debates about like when we should let Calvin starting to start to watch the, the animated series. Cause it's like, we, we remember them. Some of those were pretty dark and those two face episodes were just blew my mind that this yeah. stuff is like, you know, uh, however old I was and I'm watching this and, oh, it's a cartoon and it's Batman. So maybe my parents thought it was like like the, the Adam West Batman. It's not to be taken seriously, blah, blah, blah. But some of those episodes <laughs> yeah. were kind of gnarly, man. Uh, I remember one time watch, we were actually watching the second part of the Two-Face episode, just me and my brothers in the living room. And we had the volume real loud. And there's that scene where Two-Face, like, it goes to the <laughs> like that booking uh, mm-hmm. office and they just start shooting his machine gun <laughs> in the air. Yeah. And my mom just yelled out, like, what are you guys watching? What's all that machine gun fire? Aren't you just watching a Batman cartoon? Oh, yeah, <laughs> like, sure. Yeah, we are. <laughs> um, yeah, so, but, you know, the the production on those episodes from the animated series all the way through, because new, new, the new Batman event, they only got one, ep- one season, right? Um, technically, yeah, but they kind of spread it out, at least when it aired through like two years, like okay. two seasons, but it's kind of billed as one season now. Yeah. Okay. Um, going through, and I don't know why it was canceled. Uh, I didn't even know that it was a tie into the new movie that was coming out. Um, but, uh, but seeing that continuity from the beginning of, of the animated series straight through was just like, it's just mind blowing. And that stuff should be recognized as some of the best, you know, television for when it was on, um, and uh, and I don't know why it got canceled or why they didn't keep going or people got bent out of shape about the the character design changes or whatever. But uh, I thought it was great. Nightwing was a highlight, and uh, you know it's always good to go back and watch those episodes. Totally, yeah. And just the introduction like of Tim Drake as Robin. I mean, I wouldn't even thought in a million years at that time like the course <laughs> of an animated series that we'd have two Robins and mm-hmm. have it be a natural flow in time too, where it didn't seem like a rush where, okay, Dick Grayson was Robin for a little bit and they already got Tim Drake. It just felt so natural. And you mm-hmm. felt that the years went by and the change between Dick Grayson and then bringing in Tim Drake was good too. And even though he was vastly different than his uh, comic book origin, <laughs> it was more akin toward the Jason Todd side of things, I would say, especially with his origin, but yeah. it still worked in the course of the series. And just that whole, new team dynamic where you got Batman and Batgirl and Robin and occasionally Nightwing coming in for certain episodes. That's what made it great. Cause you didn't know kind of what you were going to get as a new episode premiere. Was it just going to be Batman and Robin? Was it just going to be Batman and Batgirl? When's Nightwing going to show up? Mm-hmm. So this made it more exciting as, you know, uh, I wouldn't say I was a young kid. I was about 13, 14 when it came on. So, but I'm still okay. heavily into it. So this made it exciting, not knowing what character you're going to see, but did you they, loved them all. Did they ever say what the gap was between the animated series and the new one? You know what? It 
probably is out there. I don't know it off the top of my head. Because I want to say I, it's like the between... comes in, he's got like the, the slick back, like the long hair. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, when he quits, he's got like his, uh, you know, his like spiky-ish kind of hair or whatever that was so like signature for Robin back in the day. Um, I want to say it's like at least like a year or two, something like that. Yeah, probably. Um, but, uh, yeah, Nightwing is such a badass, man. He's so cool. Yeah, but even his music thing was really cool. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they released soundtracks of the about I think they have they four really? volumes now of the animated series. I'm hoping they get to the new Batman Adventures because I'd love to have that Nightwing theme. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so the series was great, and I think groundbreaking at that point too, just as the animated series was, just mm-hmm. in that way it was telling stories and progressed, you know, the characters in such a great way over the course of that season. But uh, getting to some of my favorite episodes and. There was a lot that I really loved, and you know, some of them weren't. They weren't all great. There's that episode, Critters, with uh, Farmer Brown, who had these, you know, <laughs> genetically engineered farm animals that attacked Gotham. <laughs> Filler episode. Exactly. That's kind of recognized <laughs> as the worst of the series. Yeah. But I do love how on the DVDs for this season, that was an episode uh, Bruce Tim, Paul Dini, and love the producers did a commentary track on because they knew it was viewed as the worst episode. So it was like we always try to pick the most, you know, the best episodes, but let's do something different and pick the worst one. <laughs> and it made for one of the best commentary tracks that they did on the season. So That's awesome. Critters has that going for it. But I guess I'll go ahead and give my top five favorite episodes. Um, number five, I'm going to go with Never Fear. This was the one with Scarecrow and his fear toxin taking away your fears instead of enhancing them. Mm. And it was such a great concept, but the reason it's number five is because I absolutely love, love, love <laughs> Scarecrow's redesign in this series and people have heard me rave about it before so it's nothing too surprising but yeah i have to give this episode props for not only be a really cool episode and seeing batman operate without fear and just you know ready to cross that line and kill criminals if he has to but you mix that in with a great looking scarecrow and even a new voice actor uh jeffrey combs was the one who voiced him in this season and he just mm. Did a perfect job. Like that's the scarecrow I think of whenever I read him in comics. I hear that voice. I just wish uh, his design. I mean, it is that design. I think has carried out through different variations. Like even in Batman Begins, I think the way his mask look is kind of similar to his design in the new Batman Adventure. Like so. the noose and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that episode I just love, and that scarecrow design I just can't get enough of. So mm-hmm. that's number five for me. And then number four, I'm going to go with Legends of the Dark Knight. This is one where it is such a awesome, you know, tribute to Batman in this episode. It's where those three kids tell their different ideas of what they think Batman is. Then you get the first kid telling him about, you know, he thinks uh, Batman is just happy go lucky guy and we get the old, you know, 50s, 60s style Batman and that art design is just, you know, mm-hmm. straight out of Dick Sprang comics and it was just really really cool. Then you get the opposite with the Dark Knight Returns s- sequence and that one, I actually saw that before I read the Dark Knight Returns comic. Mm. And that's what made me go and read the comic for the first time was after seeing that sequence. Because it was just really, really cool. And hearing Michael Ironside voice Batman was just perfect for that version of him. Somewhat so that I say to this day, I wish he did the animated movie of the Dark Knight Returns. Because I just thought he sounded so perfect as that uh, older Batman. So that episode is really unique. But I got to give props for what... A Bruce Timm and company did on that one, just capturing the awesome, unique visual styles of those different eras of Batman. They just put it together so well done in that one. And then number three, I'm going to go Old Wounds. I mean, the reasons that you gave early on, Jacob, why it's so good with seeing the fallout between 
Dick and Bruce up the course of that episode. And just that last moment really stood out as one of the best moments of this season of Batman. I think also just of the whole Batman, the animated series where Dick finally quits just that line of dialogue he has when Barbara reveals to him that Batman knew all along that she was Batgirl mm -hmm. and that she volunteered to help him. And Dick's like, no, you think you did, but you don't know him like I do. He, mm -hmm. he manipulates, he pulls strings, like does anything to get what he wants. And you just totally feel for Dick because that you kind of, he's making a good point that <laughs> as much as, mm -hmm. as long as he lived with Batman, he knows him better than anyone. And probably, you know, that is true to an extent to, you know, Batman choosing his partner. So, mm -hmm. and like you said, the way, Bruce tries to stop him, you know, from leaving. He just turns around and punches him. I remember seeing that in the commercial for the episode before it even airs. Like, oh man, this is going to be a good one. <laughs> this is getting serious. Yeah, and it more than delivered. And plus, you throw in another great Joker appearance in this episode, and he just it just as turns out to be one of the best, and I love it. And then number two is Mad Love. This one is you know the perfect. This is actually the last episode to air. Even though it's not technically considered the last episode, I do because it's the last one, new one that I saw when it aired on Kids WB. And it was the perfect way to end it, I thought, with Harley's origin. Mm -hmm. They did such a great job adapting the comic and just telling a really, you know, heartfelt, moving story of Harley and, you know, how she falls in love with the Joker and just, you know, her tragic origin story with her being the psychiatrist and just being manipulated by the Joker and his lies that he told her, but yet, She's always going to go back to him. It's a, it's a really tragic episode, but at the same time, they captured that the way they established in her origin in that early on comic. They just adapted it really good, I thought. So that's number two. And then number one is going to be Over the Edge. And you've heard me talk about this before on several episodes of why I love it so much. So I won't go into full detail <laughs> again, but just the whole scene, even though it ended up being a dream, just the scene, what would it be like the final days of Batman and him and Commissioner Gordon at each other's throats for, you know, him allowing Barbara to work with him as Batman. And then she ends up getting killed. And just the fallout that you had between these two partners who've trusted each other for so long and to see how much hatred Gordon has for Batman. It was just kind of tough to watch at the same time. It made for a great story. And then you get that amazing fight sequence with Bane at the end. It mm -hmm. just, it was an episode where it was like, I can't believe they're doing this. Going back to what we're talking about, the more mature stuff you're seeing, Barbara fall off a building, crash onto a police car, dying, and then gunshots firing. Multiple scenes in this episode where Batman and Robin and Nightwing are getting shot out by police, and then just a very brutal fight with Bane. It just it had it all this episode, and this not only is one of my favorites of the Batman and Robin, the new adventures of Batman, but just one of the best episodes of Batman the animated series. Is that it was the, in my top is that five. The one where where Alfred like gets arrested, like everybody gets arrested. Yeah, yeah. Either arrested or killed, and unmasked, <laughs> uh, and all that stuff. Yeah, it was like when I was watching, I was thinking, man, how are they going to get out of this one? Like, it has <laughs> to be a dream or something. And even though it was to me, it didn't diminish the amazing stuff that happened during that episode because we never seen anything like that in Batman the Animated yeah. Series. So, yeah, that one gets my top spot. So, yeah, that's my top five favorite episodes, and then. Before we move on from the future topic, I just wanted to talk about another big thing, what the series is known for, and that's its character designs, because that was a big change. And for some, it, I know it turned a lot of people off, <laughs> So, uh, especially the Joker. And I got to say, I don't fall into that camp that hates that redesign. I, I don't think it's great. I don't think it's the best. But at the same time, I don't think it's awful either. 
there's some shots where it can make the Joker just look very evil at the same time can make him look silly too. So it kind of depends on the scene that was being animated, animated for the Joker to, to have me view if it was really bad or really good. But I don't know. How do you feel about the Joker redesigns or some of the ones you thought were made for the better than what it was in the animated series? Um, I liked Scarecrow. I thought that he was uh, pretty cool. I didn't mind the, the, the new, cause he kind of, he looked more serious and for a show that was kind of, I don't know, even more serious than the animated uh, series. I thought it was fine. I wasn't, uh, especially back then, wasn't super gung-ho on like, oh, they changed my favorite character or whatever. Yeah. I always thought that the animation on those things was great. Um, so even them making the changes, it wasn't that big of a deal because it was still awesome. I think if it were like really crappy and the show wasn't good, I think that, yeah, then it's like, well, why did you do this? This is a reason why it's not so great. Uh but the show being as cool as it was and as good as it was, uh, I don't know. I like the Joker. I thought it was cool. Cause he had like the darker eyes, right? Yeah. Um, just like pitch black eyes. That's pitch it. Black with like the beady, uh, uh, pupils. And mm-hmm. yeah, he looked way more serious. Um, kind of more sinister, a little more scary, but I feel like that's a good thing. I mean, look at the episodes we just talked about where, uh, Barbara's dying and Alfred's getting arrested. Like, these aren't really, like, light-hearted things happening. This is a very intense show. So, you know, I thought the design was fine. Um, I can't remember other, like, what what other designs were people, like, just really gung-ho about that just did not like? Well, some of the ones that I know got the big... Uh, probably the character, I think, got the biggest after the Joker. And I would agree. I, I don't like his redesign either. was the Riddler. Because mm. they just made him really, like, skinny and bald. He had no hair for some reason, <laughs> but <laughs> he was barely in any episode, so it wasn't a big deal. But oh, when yeah. you saw him, it was just like, man, what were they thinking? Oh, I this now. <laughs> I'm looking it up right now. This is yeah, this is weird. Uh, <laughs> no, that's not good. Yeah, and then the other one I didn't really like was the ventriloquist because <laughs> for some reason his head just looked like a pencil eraser or something. <laughs> something <laughs> about it looked off. And then Killer Croc was another one, not necessarily bad, but. I just preferred his original design where he was blue mm-hmm. and his voice actor for the first few seasons of Batman, the anime series were great. And this one had a new voice actor that just wasn't quite the same. And he had more, or he was a green skin, more of that crocodile look and the new Batman adventures. So it wasn't bad. Just wasn't as good as the first one, but yeah, it's almost like Riddler and two face went the other direction and like got a little more kind of cartoony. Uh, and Joker was kind of the only one that got more a Joker and Scarecrow got a little more serious and, and kind of creepy looking. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, but, the two face redesign, the design was way better in the animated series than it was for the new adventures. Um, uh, at least I think so. Yeah. The other one I think was for the best was the penguin redesign. He looked just like how, you know, you expect the classic penguin from some of those old, you know, fifties and sixties comics, the real proper top hat, clean cut penguin. Yeah. Like Danny Vito. They're finally the, <laughs> yeah, that's funny. Bruce Tim was always, you know, he was kind of forced in the original seasons to make him look like Danny DeVito with the flipper hands and the long hair and all that. I think he just couldn't wait to redesign him for the new Batman adventures and have him look more like the proper comic penguin. So yeah, yeah. The, that was a good redesign. I, I was just joking when I said that. Um, but the, 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 the new adventures penguin looks more of like you just said, like a classic. What, what I think about penguin, that's kind of the look, um, maybe some things altered here or there, whatever, but that's kind of the, the basic look. 
Uh, he definitely yep. looked like a mutant when I think about him. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess the only other one I really liked, besides, well, for the villains, um, was the Mad Hatter. I liked how they made him more look like an impish type character. He was shorter. He had that green suit and the green hat instead of the blue one that he had in the original season. So I did like they made him more look like a storybook elf impish type character in the new seasons here. So he was another one I thought the change was made for the better. Mm-hmm. And then Batman on the hero side, I just loved the whole that they just went full on black and gray. You know, in the first run of the animated series, he had that blue the tint to his cape and cowl, but this one was just full on black. And they got rid of the yellow uh, shield on the logo for his symbol there. And I just loved how it's just a plain black bat symbol on the chest of his suit. So it's Batman so was another one. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. I will say that's probably my favorite look of Batman throughout the course of his animated appearance from the original animated series to Justice League. The new Batman Adventures one is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's uh, probably going to wrap it up for our discussion of the new Batman Adventures with our favorite episodes, favorite designs, least favorite designs. But just again, I just can't say enough how much I love this series or the season of Batman the Animated Series. I think it gets, you know unnecessary flack on for some of the character redesigns and maybe certain episodes that people think weren't up to par for the original uh, run of the show. But when you watch these whole episodes in the course of a season, there's some really, really great stuff. I, I only wish there was more of it. Mm. That's my nitpick of it. I just wish it lasted longer. But um, before we move on, got a few uh, listener responses on Twitter when I put the word out that we're going to be talking about this on our next episode. So going ahead and read some of our Twitter followers, some of their favorite episodes of the new Batman adventures. Uh, first off, uh, we got a response from Osang at what Osang saw on Twitter. And she says, I could be tweeting for an entire day if I had to, to discuss that. But uh, she says her favorite episodes, uh, just for the animated series as a whole, were Beware the Grey Ghost, The Laughing Fish. But her husband loves Over the Edge and Growing Pains. Mm. And Growing Pains was another great one. I don't know if you remember that episode. It's, it's where uh, Tim Drake finds this uh, lost girl. And, you know, he tries to help her out and try to find out where she's from. But she ends up just being a creation of Clayface. Oh, no. And Clayface just ends up absorbing her back into himself, essentially you know, killing her off. And there's that line of dialogue at the end. It was just, you know, a big episode for Tim Drake. I mean, it's called Growing Pains. And you saw him grow in this episode. And they're, one of the favorite uh, lines of the episode was where at the end, the police are taking away Clayface after Batman stopped him. And they say, okay, we'll book him for armed robbery and everything else. And Tim just says, yeah, murder. And he walks away. And it's one of those things where you didn't get that type of stuff in the original season, but you're getting it in the new Batman Adventures. So there's some powerful stuff in that episode of Growing Pains. That's definitely another good one. And then also uh, Dead as Hell at Dead as Hell HP on Twitter says, um, he actually said there's so much animated Batman he hasn't seen this uh, season yet. So I told him to check it out. And he did see the first episode, Holiday Nights. But while he wasn't impressed with that shopping montage and the Harley and Ivy sequence, uh, he did uh, thought it got better with uh, what I talked about earlier, seeing the Joker shoot Batman at point blank range. Mm-hmm. It's like seeing that for the first time, not expecting it in a kid's cartoon show. <laughs> it's a pretty big moment. And then my friend Rob over at... Everyone loves the Drake podcast at ELTD podcast on Twitter. He says, well, of course, Tim Drake's episode growing pains is a great one and a very underrated episode. Also likes the Mr. Freeze and Riddler episodes. And he also says he's more of a fan of the new Batman adventures. He loves the fresh look and the characters got to grow and the bat family was extended. Plus we got the creeper. (laughs) The, 
I don't know if you saw remember that episode with the creeper, but that one was a great one for showing a little bit of Joker's origin and kind of the anniversary of him and Batman going at it at the chemical factory. Mm. So that one's a great one just for that opening sequence, I think. And then finally, Jason Jimbo Ritter at Jimbo19934 says, Don't forget Judgment Day and Double Talk. Great Scarface and Two-Face episodes. I would agree those are good ones, especially Judgment Day for Two-Face. And that's technically the last episode uh, for the Batman the Animated Series. But even though it didn't air, <laughs> last like Mad Love did. So depending on how you look at it, one of those is the last episode. But both very solid ones. Huh. So, yeah, thanks, everyone, for chiming in letting us know your favorite episodes of the new Batman Adventures. So uh, hopefully the series, you know, gets fondly remembered than what it is right now. I know it has its fans, but I think it should be recognized for, you know, how great it really was and at the same level of Batman the Animated Series. But with that, we can go ahead and go on to some uh, news discussion topics that happened since our last episode. And sadly, we got um, a very disappointing one to talk about as uh, – the day after we recorded our last episode, we found out that Len Wein passed away. And, you know, his resume speaks for himself. Uh, it's just the fact that he created characters like Swamp Thing and Wolverine. I mean, he's officially etched in legendary status, in my opinion, for in comic book writers, just for creating such a legendary and iconic character now as Wolverine. But for me personally, I just, you know, loved what he did with Batman in what the story he told for the untold legend of the Batman and listeners of the show. have heard me talk about that uh, comic story to death. So I won't go into why I love it so much, but I always say that's like my Batman history book. It taught me so much of Batman's villains, his origin. It just such a great job of introducing me into the mythos of Batman at such a young age that it'll forever be an important part of, you know, my Batman fandom, that story that Len Wein wrote, The Untold Legend of the Batman. So it was definitely disappointing to hear that and just another comic legend that we lost. So, yeah, that was disappointing to hear, but uh, we did get some good news not too long after that because Patty Jenkins is officially back to direct Wonder Woman 2. And all I can say to Warner Brothers is, finally. <laughs> It took them long. It shouldn't have taken this long to get her signed. I mean, it's Warner Brothers. They, I don't know what they do, but, but yeah, they like to take their time with things that make sense, and then things that uh, somehow don't make sense. They just want to just green light right away. So you know, I don't know what they do, but finally, some good news. Yeah, I mean, it had to be done. If they let her walk away and not bring her back after the massive success that Wonder Woman that was. They would have looked really, really bad. <laughs> I mean, it's a great movie, and it's not, and it's not just because, like, I don't know, but it's, you know, we had that, we almost, we almost had that TV show a couple years ago. Yeah, uh, that's right. Which I've only, I've never seen footage from it. I've just seen like behind the scenes photos, and it looked horrible. Mm, I and heard so, it was horrible. <laughs> yeah, and then you get like, you know, why is this character who has such an amazing history, uh, especially now with what's kind of what's happening in the world and. Uh, you want this character like front stage center, man. Like you want, you want this to shine. And so, you know, there were people that said, well, I've had no people who've seen early cuts and it's not that great and blah, blah, blah. And it's WB and they still have problems. And it's like, all right, well, we'll see. And then it came out and it just kicked everyone in the face. It was so good. Um, and I was so happy that it did so well. And mm. the cast was amazing and Patty Jenkins killed it. And, you know, it's, it's like you leave that and it's like it's a no brainer that they need to bring everyone back and do another one. Um, 
and it was just, I don't know. I loved it. My wife loved it. Um, we got a rare date night, um, when we were in California on vacation and went and saw it and it just blew our minds and it was, it was great. Yeah. And I just watched it on Blu-ray last night for the first time. And mm. It's still as good as it was. She went, she went and she bought it the day that it came out. Um, and so, you know, with, it's hard to manage and watch movies with the two kids. So we're still, we're, we have it and it's downstairs uh, and it's ready to go, but we just need to kind of carve out time to watch it. Uh, yeah, and you like, want to watch yeah. it at the perfect time too. You just don't want to put it on and like have it be background noise. You want to yeah. fully be invested in the movie yes. <laughs> while you're watching it. Um, but man, that movie was good. Yep, and the Blu-ray too also had some great special features on it too. That's what did. I I love to watch all the, the the behind the scenes stuff, and I feel like with this, like we kind of know a little bit more than than most movies that come out, just because they did a ton of press for it and movies blogging or reporting or or bickering uh you <laughs> so much that happens and so much information that comes out that i don't know that whole thing's changed and i i ignore most of it because a lot of it is like you know what i could comment and like feed the machine but i don't want to and i just want to see the final product and if i like it then i like it and i don't need necessarily somebody's uh opinion to validate my own and so you know sure. you all the rumors of well, I don't know, and blah blah blah, and she's only been in like one or two movies, and da 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 da, da, da and um, you know. But kind of the general consensus of Batman vs Superman was that as good as Ben was as Batman, which is pretty damn good. Uh, she, everyone walked away from like, okay, why wasn't Wonder Woman in this movie more? Mm, yeah, <laughs> uh, you know, because she's she was amazing. So it was good to see her have her own movie fleshed out. Um, you got to really connect with her and being a kid and growing up and having her mom kind of be overbearing and not want that life for her. And, um, you know, I thought that when, uh, when, uh, what's, when Steve Trevor went through the, the barrier, um, that was kind of wild. And then everybody followed him and that, that whole like war battle scene was, was pretty cool. And, um, the visuals were great. The acting was amazing. Um, and, uh, you know, I, I'm psyched for, for number two. Um, I haven't really, like I said, I stopped following a lot because I don't necessarily want to be in the know. But have there been any kind of rumors or ideas about what two is going to look like? I've heard one rumor report that I'm kind of hoping is not going to be the case. Mm. Uh, they said it might be another period piece mm. about – I want to say like it would be set in Russia, like maybe during the Cold War era. Oh, that's what we need right now, yeah. But like, but at the same time too, I don't want any more period pieces because they established their origin in you know World War One, which is great. But now mm. I want to see Wonder Woman in you know the modern era. She's going to be part of the Justice League now, mm. and as cool as that's going to be, I want her to see her own movie like that. I mean, there's tons mm. of cool stuff they can mm. do. Like they want to use the villain Cheetah. I think that would be great, mm. especially if they go off of Greg Rucka's recent. Uh, run that he did uh, with Wonder Woman for Rebirth. There's some really great stuff with Cheetah that I think can make for some good like, Man, emotional compelling storytelling. I gotta pick some of those up because I'm hearing good stuff. Yeah, especially Wonder Woman. Those first early issues, Greg Rucka's run was so, so good. Mm. Uh, so th that was the only rumor I've heard that it might take place in another time period which okay. I'm kind of hoping is not the case. Well, th I think the only thing I heard was that they're trying, and I don't know how the heck this is going to happen, but they are, they want to bring Chris Pine back. But I'm like, well, what do you I mean? Yeah. <laughs> what do you do? Like, 
you can't really do flashbacks because I mean we saw every we saw all the stuff he did, so it's not like you can see them together. Uh, so I don't know how that would happen and all that. But I was like, man, he was great. I think he's a really good actor. I think mm. I don't know. Um, I there were people who thought, and I don't know if, if they confirmed from their people or whatever how that works, but they were like, man, he's going to be Green Lantern and Green Lantern's going to be in the movie. And yeah, um, I mean, he would have been a solid choice. He would have been awesome as Green Lantern. But I was so happy that that someone of his stature took that role. Um, uh, and he was amazing, uh, in that movie and in that role. And they had such good chemistry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was almost nice because, you know, he's, he's Captain Kirk and he's tremendous in those movies. And it was nice to see him. I really like when really huge actors take smaller roles or kind of supporting roles. And, um, uh, so to see him in, in that role and to see them working off each other and, uh, the comedic timing was brilliant and I don't know her name, but the woman who, the, the woman who played his assistant was, she stole everything yeah. she was in and she was hilarious. Um, and so yeah. that's another one that's like, you know, probably not coming back if they do kind of a modern thing or whatever, but that's somebody that you want to see more of. So, well, on know. the Blu-ray, they had a little extra kind of, it's not a cut scene or anything. I think it's just something actually they put on the Blu-ray. It's called like mm-hmm. Ed is at a candy's next mission or something like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's her reuniting with uh, the rest of the guys from the movie, like Samir and Charlie uh, <laughs> kind of going out for another mission. And what they're teasing at is they're all back at that bar and she's handing them their next mission. And you see the mission file and there's a picture of a mother box on there. Ooh. So kind of teasing that, that Ooh. they might've been the first ones to discover a mother box. <laughs> that we're gonna see I Justice did League. see her reaction on Twitter when she got her own Funko pop. Um, I thought that was amazing. Um, uh, cause Wonder Woman, they came out with a whole line of Funkos and, and her character has one. And I think she's holding the sword or the shield or one of the two. Uh, okay. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, yeah. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And yeah, she was great. The whole movie was good. Yep. Um, and, uh, I'm, you know, even as, uh, as a guy watching this movie, like if, if, if you're watching this thing and you don't love it, then I, I got a question. Like, what do you love about movies that you don't love in this movie? Cause it yeah. was, and in particular, if you're a superhero comic book fan, too. <laughs> like, Yeah, and someone who's like, you know, Wonder Woman is one of the top three in DC, and maybe in any of them. Uh, and so for her to finally get her own movie and have it be as amazing as it was, it's such a huge accomplishment. Um, and, it, it, yeah, on one hand, it's like this should have happened 15 years ago or 20 years ago or whatever. But on the other hand, it's like, well, if that happened and it wasn't that great, we wouldn't have what we have now. So mm-hmm. the wait was worth it. And, um, you know, I know that Zack Snyder had a lot to do with that. And, you know, he seems to be all over the place now in terms of what people are saying and news and all that stuff. But you, you can't deny his contribution to that movie and totally the world that we're kind of in, um, which I love. So it just uh, even was him casting Gal Gadot as Wonder Woman. How brilliant of a move that was. Yeah. You know, that's the thing because I, there was rumors that he was going to cast that he would, that he was going to have Joker in BVS. And, uh, that means that he would have cast whoever he wanted to cast instead of David Ayer casting Jared Leto, who I Mm -hmm. thought was really good. And I really liked it. Um, but even with that rumor of like, man, if there was like a, a snippet of something, I wonder who he would have cast. Cause, 
you I mean you can say what he wants. I wasn't sold on him as a director until Man of Steel, and that movie really changed how I viewed him as a as a filmmaker. And I fell in love with his style, um, and I loved what he did with BVS. So, and but regardless of how you feel about his movies and whether you think they're put together, or whatever, his casting is always so on the money. Um, in anything that he's done and everything that he's done, his casting is so good. That's true. Yeah. Um, and you can go back, uh, Watchmen cast tremendous. Um, uh, 300 brilliant. I mean, Ben Affleck, come on. Like you can't deny the things that he's, that he's done and who he's put in these roles. So Mm -hmm. the fact that he, that he cast her, uh, and I remember when that first, um, uh, was it at Comic-Con a few years ago that he showed that picture of her, yeah. For the first time, and was just like, whoa. Um, I, know, I remember seeing that for the first time. I was like, yep, perfect. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, he's got his his fingerprints all over this, which is great. Uh, but Patty Jenkins needs to be, you know, put up on a pedestal and just forever applauded for making such a great movie. Um, and, uh, and really, you know, I, I know that some people had issues with the third act or whatever, but. I'm like, what? Whatever. Like the whole thing is good. Third act yeah. is great. Um, the the and, third act. I'm sorry. I don't know what people are complaining about. I, I don't love that. Either, man. I, I mean, love that third act. <laughs> it drives me crazy when people like nitpick all this stuff because, like, you know what? You go do better. You go do better. You go figure <laughs> it out. Uh, you know, it's so easy to to type a negative review from you know three thousand miles away and like what you would have done. Well, you didn't. And if you want to do better, then go do better. But. Um, but it was great, and uh, and I loved it. Um, I loved the <laughs> the scene when she was going to kind of get in disguise in the modern world, and she tried on all these different outfits and dresses. Yeah. And, uh, the the scene that was the that was kind of an homage to Superman oh, that uh, was, great. was gosh, man. Um, it was it, perfect of being an homage and then doing their own thing with it too. Just a perfect yeah, play. totally. Um, and, uh, you know, Chris Pine, his, his, his timing is so great. Um, and kind of people, you know, I was a theater major. And so I look at these things from kind of a, a technical standpoint and yeah, things are edited and all that stuff, but you know, you can't, you can't fake chemistry and you can't fake mm-hmm. timing and they, his timing with everything is so good. Their chemistry was great. That whole cast was phenomenal. Um, uh, it was kind of DC's Captain America, and I mean that in the best way possible because sure, I yeah. love that movie. We just watched that movie uh, like a week and a half ago. Nice. Um, yeah, it's one of the Marvel movies that I watch a lot too. It's that so first Captain America. I tweeted this. I, I, you can go look back. It was like two weeks ago, and I was like, it amazes me how underrated Phase One of Marvel is, especially Captain America. Yep. That movie. Mm-hmm. I mean, people think that it's okay, but if you go back and watch that. The movie is damn good. Um, and I was not sold on Chris Evans until I saw that movie. And then I was like, yes, he's now definitive Steve Rogers. So, uh, but this was kind of DC's Captain America in, in the best ways possible. Cause that movie was great. Um, so I'm really looking forward to, to seeing what they do with two, how she plays in the justice league. I'm really excited about that. Um, haters be damned. I'm excited for it. Uh, so, you know, we'll see. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was watching Wonder Woman on Blu-ray for the first time. How awesome is I'm watching Wonder Woman 
at home for the first time, her own movie. <laughs> yeah. And then just about a little over a month, I'm going to be seeing the Justice League in theaters. Okay. So <laughs> I don't, if we have time for this, walk me through, you can just give me bullet points, what you thought right. of Batman vs Superman, if you liked it and, and your hype level for Justice League. Batman v Superman, I'll say I enjoyed it, but at the same time, I was disappointed with it because I was hoping and kind of expecting it to be like up there as one of the best superhero movies ever. I mean, you're getting Batman and Superman together for the first time. And there was, uh, there was just too much in it that I didn't think needed to be there, and it kind of dragged the movie down. Mm-hmm. Uh, certain aspects of uh, Batman's character I wasn't necessarily a big fan of, mm-hmm. but there's also great moments in that movie. Ben Affleck's performance is is amazing as Batman. It's great. The whole end sequence I thought is phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Right when him is Superman. I think the moment where Luthor and Superman are talking on that rooftop and he's setting, revealing his plan and all that, I love the movie from that point on mm-hmm. till the end. It's just kind of getting there is a little hit and miss for me. So mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely not a hater of it. I like it. I just definitely think it could have been better and should have been better for you know being Batman and Superman's first movie together. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Justice League, I'm super excited for it. I think it looks great. Um, re- the trailers, I think, have been really, really cool. And yeah. I'm, I'm just hoping, you know what? The one thing, and I've said this before on the show too, just have it be a nice, simple story. It doesn't need to be overly complicated like I think Batman v Superman was for mm-hmm. them to fight and to get together. You know, just tell something, a simple story, and have your strength be the character interactions. Mm-hmm. And from what I see in the trailer, I think that's what it's going to be. I mean, we know the basic story. Darkseid sending Steppenwolf to invade Earth through the mother boxes, and mm-hmm. the Justice League's have to band together to stop them. I'm mm-hmm. fine with that. Yep. Just as long as the characters are great, which it looks to be that they are, and then I think the movie will succeed. So I'm really looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, I know I'm excited. Um, I thought BVS was great. Um, I thought it played more like a, like a theatrical play than a movie necessarily. Mm. Um, Interesting. Well, you know, the way that it starts out with kind of like the, the poem or, you know, the, the, the over, the voiceover mm. with Bruce talking and the way that it plays out is a little bit maybe slower in some parts. And to me, it is almost like Zack Snyder was putting on this theatrical p- production as opposed to like a, a, a movie, which sounds weird, I guess, but it makes sense to me. Um, and I thought the whole thing was good. I didn't understand some of the parts and why, uh, you know, why didn't Superman see the bomb? Oh, wait, in the deleted scenes on the DVD, Lois is on the phone and the forensic person or whoever she's talking to says yeah. it's laced with lead. And it's like, why wasn't that in the movie? That exactly, makes so yeah. much more sense. And I've heard a million different things about how he didn't edit the movie. And that's when WB kind of stepped in and tried to piece together all this crap. And you can kind of tell because when you watch the cut when you see his ultimate cut it makes so much more sense yeah it's a little long but it it streamlines so perfectly and it makes so much more sense and you get to see clark investigating and being a reporter and going deep for the story yeah i love all this stuff stuff that makes so much sense it's like wait a minute who cut this from the movie because this is what clark kent does and he's doing this but why wasn't this shown so um i thought it was good i'm Dude, I got chills when I do have. If we have time, I have a question. I got chills with that, with that, the raising of the dirt and the and the that that scene just got me, um, and I got emotional because I know it's coming. Um, 
And so my question is, and I, I asked my other friend this too, I could have sworn that they had an open casket funeral for Clark. Because um, doesn't somebody put a picture in his coffin? And I think they're all walking through. And then I think Martha or somebody puts a picture in there and then closes it at the end. But I could have sworn it was open casket. And then I'm thinking, well, how the heck are they going to bring him back? And I don't, so I don't understand how they're going to do that. Cause wasn't in the, in the comic book, it was like, oh, Clark Kent's found. It was like, I don't know, a while after Superman came back, like under the rubble and blah, 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 whatever. And it's like, okay, well, this is a movie. How are they going to do that? Or are they just not going to bring it back? Or are they just going to tell everybody that he's Clark Kent? Yeah. It's definitely going to be curious to see how they're going to work in the Clark Kent angle of it. Cause I think the Superman stuff's no problem. It's just bringing Clark back. But as far as I remember, I don't believe they showed an open casket. At least I'm not remembering uh, seeing it. I'll see so. if I can find it. I'll, I'll, I'll text you or tweet you or whatever. And I'll tell you to, I'll tell you like what minute mark or whatever to look at. Um, I could have sworn that they did. Cause I was in the theater. I'm thinking like, wait a minute, all these people can see who the heck this is. Like what's happening. Um, because it makes sense for them to think they have Superman's body in that coffin. But really, putting Clark's body back with Martha makes sense personally for her. Mm. So I would have to imagine that the Superman casket is empty and Clark is in at home next to his dad or wherever he is. Um, because then that's the dirt rises from there. Exactly. So yeah. I don't know when they made that switch. If Bruce has like some like Superman lookalike that he threw in the other one. And I don't know how they're going to explain that. Um, yeah, I'm sure they won't go into detail as far as the other casket, like the main one that's for the city of Metropolis. But yeah, it'd be interesting to see if they even do that in Justice League or just worry about it for the eventual story. Or if they're like, ah, oh, screw it. We have a really easy storyline. This is what we're going to do. Go. And it's yeah. like, oh, cool. I'm, I'm in. Yeah, so I am curious to see, because that's maybe my one thing that I'm a little iffy on for Justice League is that, you know, it's the first Justice League movie and you want to see all the big heroes together and that Superman's not going to be, you know, in it for most of the movie, it looks like. But it could make for a pretty awesome moment seeing him come back for the from come back to life or for the first time and then just, you know, totally saving the day and just kicking the crap out of, you know, parademons and stuff. Do you think <laughs> but do you think he's coming back and he's like good right off the bat? Or do you think we're gonna get a little bit of like angry Superman kind of needs to kind of like get knocked around and then he's like, Oh yeah, wait a minute. I'm supposed to be Mr. Hope. So now let's go kick some butt. No, you see, I think he's going to come out totally different. He's going to have that, you know, personality and out an outlook on life, that hope uh, outlook that everyone's been clamoring for. in <laughs> you know, the last two movies that I think he's going to come back having that attitude. That's the perfect way to do that for them. You know, he dies and he comes back a new man, you know, new attitude. So well, yeah, hopefully, because that's why I loved so that ending part, as soon as as soon as Clark decided that he was gonna take the spear and he knew it was gonna happen. Um in that moment, because as soon as they shook hands and Martha kind of humanized him as a not as a human, but as a as a, a person, an alien, sure. whatever a, a a a living, breathing person, that's when the the switch flipped for Bruce and he was like, you know what? Like I've been looking at this all wrong. And then when he sacrificed himself, Bruce saw that. And that's what brought him back from, from his own maniacal edge that he's been on for however long he's been on it. So to me, that made so much sense to do that. And how did that be the motivating factor for Batman to, to go back to being the Batman that everybody knew and loved? 
Um, and so that was so different from what Nolan did and what we've seen before that to me, like, yeah, some of those things, I didn't necessarily love seeing him that way, but being in 2017, uh, knowing what he's gone through in this universe, like you, you would kind of go to the edge if these things happen to you in real life. So I totally understood those character choices. Um, and I hated seeing Batman go through them, but having Superman die so that he can come back and say, you know what? I now have something. I was shown what it takes to, to believe in, uh, humans and people and this and, and good and hope. And now that's what I'm going to go back to being. That was such a, a huge moment that I thought was great that we've never seen before. So, uh, you know, I really, I, I thought BBS was cool. I thought it was awesome. Justice League is hopefully going to be great. Um, I'm not going to read anything because I don't want anybody kind of tainting what I think it's going to be. Um, but uh, I have high hopes. So, yep. And we don't got long wait, long to wait now. It's going to yeah. be here before you know. It. And like like you, I can't wait for it either. If you know, it's going to be awesome. Hopefully, you know, Warner Brothers finally has two massive hits on their hand with Wonder <laughs> Woman and Justice League. So hopefully, it all pans out that way once <laughs> the movie comes out in November. All right, and one last bit of news that. I'm super excited for and glad that it's happening. Another Batman Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle crossover is coming this December. And as you guys know, who's listened to the show, I was a huge, huge fan of the first crossover. And the fact that we're getting another one, maybe not a huge surprise, but I'm just glad that it's happening. And this one is going to kind of be the opposite, it looks like, in the brief descriptions they have, where instead of the turtles going to Gotham in the first crossover... Um, looks like Batman characters are going to be going to New York in the Turtles uh, universe. Uh, the synopsis of it is that Donatello goes looking for, you know, wants someone to help train him a little more to fight. And he's looking for Batman. He goes back to Gotham. But instead, Bane comes through the portal. And then he becomes kind of like a gang mobster leader in New York that the Turtles are going to have to face off with. And seeing Turtles take on Bane, I mean, I'm all down for that. So <laughs> this series it's going to come out in December, and I can't wait. So... Jake, I know uh, you said you're not too caught up with comics, but if you're ever going to start catching up on comics, I would highly recommend the first Batman TMNT crossover. It was so good. I mean, I'm a big Turtles fan, and I was just expecting this to be, you know, a fun, cool crossover between, you know, two of my favorite franchises. Mm -hmm. But it was so much more than that. There was a really, you know, emotional story at the core of it with Batman mm -hmm. and the Turtles. So I'd highly recommend that one if okay. you get a chance. All right, so with that, that's the news we have for this episode, and we can go ahead and go on to our listener uh, feedback. And first up, as always, Jordan sends an email saying, Hey, Tim and Dane, I enjoyed hearing your thoughts on Batman and Harley Quinn, Tim. I love the film, but I think our differing opinions are largely because I was a fan of the humor that you didn't enjoy. For example, I was howling, laughing at the now infamous Batmobile fart scene. What can I say? I'm probably just immature, LOL. It was a situation I never expected to see Batman in, so I think the shock value was part of what made it work for me. Do you think that humor would have worked better for you had the film not been done in the style of the new Batman adventures? I agree with you that Melissa Rock is probably the second best Harley voice actress. I love Hayden Welch's Arlie, and I really like Tara Strong's as well, but Melissa Roch is probably my favorite besides Arlene Sorkin. I love the scene in the henchman bar. Tim, did you stick around until after the credits? The post-credits scene was one of the best parts in the movie, and it was more satisfying ending than the way they defeated Swamp Thing. The post-credits scene is hilarious, and it's a nod to the animated series The Batman, which of course I appreciated. Overall, this is one of my favorite entries in the DCU AOM line. While I understand that it didn't work for many people, it certainly worked for me. Well, Jordan, yeah, I did see the end credit scene, 
And I was at the point where one of those humorous moments that I thought was still a little too much for me. It just didn't seem to fit. And uh, so I wasn't really a big fan of that end credit scene. And yeah, I do think I probably wouldn't have too much of an issue with it if the designs weren't like the new Batman adventures, because it's not like they were caught between of honoring the animated series, but being something totally different at the same time. So yeah, I think it would have been better if they wanted a totally different art style, if they were going to do the humor that they did in the movie. I don't know. Did you see the Harley and Batman movie, Jake? I did not. I heard about it, and I heard uh, not a lot of people loved it. Yeah. I'm kind of in the middle of it. There was good moments in it, too, but they went a little too overboard with the humor for me. So mm. if you're okay with some fart jokes and other over-the-top humor, <laughs> you maybe you'll enjoy it. Like but. Dumb and Dumber meets Batman? Kind of. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but Jordan continues saying, Happy 20th anniversary, Batman the Animated Series. My local comic shop did a Batman the Animated Series marathon this past Sunday in honor of the anniversary, which was awesome. They showed eight episodes of the show, and it was a lot of fun. As you guys know, unlike most fans, the Batman was actually my Batman show growing up. That's the one that made me become a diehard Batman fan. However, Batman the Animated Series was still a pretty big part of my childhood as well. I was just a little too young to watch Batman the Animated Series, or even the new Batman Adventures as they aired. But I did have about 10 or 15 episodes on VHS that I'd watch over and over again. I didn't get to see the series as its entire, in its entirety until later. But those 10 to 15 episodes were one of the things that sparked my Bat fandom early on in life, uh, before Batman, the Batman premiered. Anyway, I enjoyed hearing your list of your five, five favorite episodes, so I thought I'd list mine as well. I'm actually really surprised that we only had one mutual pick, but I guess it goes to show how many amazing episodes there are in that series. Anyway, here's mine. Number five, Harley's Holiday. Number four, Holiday Nights. Number three, Old Wounds. Number two, Heart of Ice. And number one, Over the Edge. As you probably noticed, it's mostly comprised of the new Batman Adventures episodes. But as I said before, that's my favorite season of the series. Well, uh... Because of that, Jordan, I hope you've enjoyed our <laughs> discussion of how much we love the new Batman Adventures as well. So you're not alone in that one being your favorite. And he continues saying, In response to your questions about meeting Michael Rosenbaum, that was my Flash figure that he was holding in one of the photos. I've had that Justice League Flash figure for as long as I can remember, and I thought it would be awesome to ask him to hold it in one of the pictures we took. I did indeed get to ask him a question, but not when we were taking the photo. He actually had a Smallville panel, and I got to ask him a question there. It was actually a pretty amazing experience. Normally at the panels, they have lines where you can line up and ask questions through a microphone up to the panel stage. So when they began soliciting questions at the Smallville panel, I jumped out of my chair and tried to hustle to the aisle to try to get in line. However, much to my surprise, Michael came into the audience and brought his microphone right up to me and let me ask a question. I was sort of in shock, but I managed to get my question out despite it. I asked him about what he thinks, uh, if he, how he thinks Lex would have turned out differently had he had loving parents like the Kents instead of Lionel, or if Lionel had known all along that Lex wasn't the one who killed Julian. He basically said that parents are so important in who a child grows up to be, so he thinks that Lex would have indeed been different had he grown up in different circumstances. Anyway, it was just super cool to ask him about that, and I really appreciated hearing his answer. He was such a class act, and he continued to go through the audience person to person to answer questions. I'd never seen anyone else do that. I know he made my day by doing so, and I'm sure he made a lot of other fans' day as well. Yeah, that's awesome, Jordan. I knew you were at that panel, but I didn't know he got to, he just went up to different audience members and you know had them 
ask questions directly into his face while he's holding the microphone. That's pretty darn cool. So glad you got to experience that. I don't know. Were you a fan of Smallville, Jake, when it was airing? <laughs> That's for another podcast. <laughs> I, so I was not, I was never into it. Uh, I didn't like it when it was on. Um, I did watch the finale thinking like, finally we get to see him in the suit. And that, they had that stupid rule of no tights, no flight, none of that stuff. Yeah. And I thought it was lame. And so my wife was super into it. Um, and so a couple of months ago, I was like, you know what? I'm going to try to give this another watch because I think they're all on Netflix or Hulu or whatever it is. Yeah, so Hulu. I started the pilot and we're like 10 minutes in and I turned it off. I was like, I can't do this because first of all, <laughs> the, the kid's like three or four years old when they stumble upon him. And I'm like, what? How do you explain just randomly getting this four year old and this doesn't make sense and he's not a baby and it's too different and blah, 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 blah. So. Uh, I couldn't do it. I don't know. Uh, and some of the acting is like, yeah, I get it. But, but I would have, um, we watched season one of Supergirl and I liked it. I was really hoping that Tom Welling would come back as Superman. I thought that would have been really cool and kind of a cool thing for him to put on the suit and actually get to be Superman. Yeah. And kind of, of link the, suit. Yeah, instead of a <laughs> suit and kind of link them together, which that would have been rad. And I would have been on board and I would have watched it. Um, because the guy they got is like, I, I don't know. It's not good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I didn't, I didn't love Smallville. Um, uh, but Lex was the best part about that show. He was great. Uh, Michael Rosenbaum. Yeah. And then, um, uh, the dad on that show was, was really good too. He's a good actor, but otherwise the show as a whole is kind of like, meh, no. Yeah. <laughs> uh, sorry you felt that way. But there are, you know, there are some, even for those who don't necessarily like the show like you do, I think there'd be some episodes in there that you'd probably appreciate as other super. Oh, yeah. Especially, you know, especially the Christopher Reeve ones. Those are yes. pretty awesome. So my son, my second son, uh, our youngest is named Reeve after Christopher Reeve. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah. So Calvin is, uh, oh, here you go, Yankees man. So Calvin <laughs> is named after Cal Ripken Jr. Um, uh, who was oh, cool. a hero growing up because I'm an Orioles fan, as you know. Um, and so Ripken was my hero as a kid. And, um, when, when we were pregnant with him, we were tossing around all these names and, uh, we're not into like, you know, kind of generic John and Kevin's and that kind of stuff. So I, I pitched Calvin and luckily she loved it enough that she, she was like, yeah, that's great. And then, uh, yeah, so that was pretty cool. And then Reeve, I was like, you know, other than I, I first, I will, I will admit this now I pitched Keaton as a first name for Michael Keaton, even though that's not his legal last name. But uh, I was like, how about Keaton? I would love to have a son named after my favorite actor of all time. That'd be great. She said no. Um, uh, and so we were like, okay, and then what? And then I was like, you know what? I read Chris Reeve's book, and I was blown away by who he was as a person, um, even after the accident, maybe even especially after his accident. Yeah. And just the the things that he did and what he stood for and um, uh, all the time that he had given to, to stem cell research and all of this amazing stuff. And he's he's confined to this chair and yet he's doing so much for people and for other people. And um, aside from the initial accident and when he was he was having some pretty dark thoughts, as I, I'm sure anybody would. Once he got over that, he was just this beacon of hope and light for so many different people. And I thought that was amazing. And I remember, uh, I remember being in my car going to school in my first year of college 
and I turn on the radio and they announce that he died and I started bawling and I'll admit that. And I was a wreck. And then I went out and I bought a Superman shirt um, and I wore it for like a couple days. Um, and so then when we got pregnant again, after Keaton was denied, that was the, the next name that came up was Reeve. Uh, a, you don't hear a lot of that as, as a first name. And I thought that was pretty great. Um, and then other, you know, God, reading this book and, and, and uh, what an example for anybody to look at this guy and, and try to live a life like that. I thought that was pretty remarkable. So. Yeah, that's cool. You got to name your kids after the two of your heroes. Yeah, my wife's pretty rad, man. She let me do that, and she was on board, which is great. And uh, you know, they're not—they're pretty unique names. Um, yeah. Uh, other than a couple of athletes that are named Calvin, uh, I have never met personally met anybody named Calvin or Reeve. Um, and so, uh, yeah, that's pretty great that um, that she let me do that, and she was on board. It's pretty pretty awesome. Yep. And yeah, just what you said about Christopher Reeve. There's probably. No actor who more resembles his character, not even that he played on the movie as he does as Superman. Just like you said, all the wonderful things that he did and was that beacon of hope. Just mm-hmm. like so many people look at Superman did. So, yeah, I totally agree with mm-hmm. you on that. Mm-hmm. That's cool to get to honor him by uh, naming your kids after him. I think that's awesome. Yeah, thanks. And Jordan continues saying, I read Batman number 31 earlier today, and boy, did I love it. Spoilers. It starts off with one of the scariest Joker scenes I've ever read. I mean, it begins with a full page panel of of just this creepy face he terrifies this poor man with a joke and then he slaughters him i mean it was brutal it's up there with joker's gcpd massacre from death of the family but moving on to something a little less grim i love seeing catwoman in the past for a second time in this arc and it was really nice how that connected with bruce and selena's conversation in the present i think i've said it before but the way tom king has batman and catwoman refer to each other as bat and cat just makes me smile anyway your complaint about Batman not fulfilling his promise to Kite Man to get justice for his son was addressed in this issue. I thought it was really cool how that went down. It set up our final showdown between Batman, the Riddler, and the Joker. I can't even tell you how fast my heart was racing the last couple of pages of this issue. It was so suspenseful. On one hand, I'm really excited to read the finale to find out what Batman did, but I'm also nervous about how Catwoman is going to react to what Batman recounts to her and what she's going to say to his proposal. If she doesn't say yes, I might have to watch the end of The Dark Knight Rises where Bruce and Selina live happily ever after together on repeat for a couple of days in order to recover. Anyway, issue 32 can't get here soon enough. After a little bit of a slow start for this arc, King has just been on a roll now, and I hope he sticks the landing. If he does, he will continue his trend of rewriting my my list of favorite Batman comics, which he's been doing ever since his run started last year. And glad to hear you enjoyed How Long is Forever as much as I do, Tim. I thought they did such a great job showing this terrible dystopian future of how the Titans could end up and seeing Dick as Nightwing was amazing. Every Dog Has His Day is a silly episode, but I really enjoyed that one too. The thing about the Teen Titans animated series is that the episode tends to drastically or tends to be drastically different in tone. I think that some of the goofier standalone episodes like Every Dog Has His Day have turned some fans off the series. However, while my favorite episode of the shows do tend to be more serious ones, I love the lighter ones too. I think having those silly episodes thrown in there can help uh, help you care about the characters even more when you get to the more serious episodes with higher stakes. The rest of the highlights of Season 2, besides How Long is Forever, are the Judas Contract episodes, in my opinion. So have you already seen them, but I'm sure it will be great to watch them again and do, and do so within the context of the entire season. As I said before, Season 2 is one of my favorite scenes of, of the show, so I think you're in for an excellent ride. 
uh, yeah, I've been go- going through the Teen Titans animated series because I'd never seen it before. And watching the Judas Contract animated movie, I was a little disappointed with that. But on the Blu-ray, they had some episodes of the series. And I thought those did a better job of adapting that comic than the movie did. So I started uh, watching the season or season one not too long ago. It's taken me a while to get through it, but I'm enjoying it. I don't know if you ever watched the Teen Titans series from 2003, Jake, if you're a fan of it or not. But I'm just starting to get into it. Not a whole lot. I've seen bits and pieces, but not enough to to know about about the show as a whole. Yeah, because always back then I thought, oh, this was geared more towards a young audience. It's mm-hmm. probably going to be a little more silly, which it is. But at the same time, I was surprised of you know how deeper the stories were, and some of them couldn't be more on a serious note, which they blend pretty well too. So I'm enjoying it now that I'm watching it for the first time. Cool. And he continues saying, thanks for shouting out my new podcast. It's launching on Batman slash Harley Quinn Day, September 23rd, and I'm really excited about it. I gave you guys a shout out in the show notes of our first episode, but I'll give you a proper shout out on the air on our next ep- on our second episode. Well, thank you in advance for that, Jordan. I would love to have you guys on as guests at some point. And Dane, get the idea that I'll stop writing emails to your podcast out of your head right now, my friend. You guys are my favorite podcast to listen to, and I'll keep writing in for as long as you guys keep putting out episodes. Well, thank you, Jordan. We appreciate that, as always. And I still got to check out your first episode, so I'll be sure to do that as well. And speaking of Batman and Harley Quinn Day, did you guys have any plans this year? I'm planning to head to my local Barnes & Nobles in the morning since they're having a Batman Day event. I'm hoping to pick up some of the special edition comics that they have. Have you guys seen the cover of those? They're awesome. And then I'll probably go home and read them in the afternoon. As 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 per tradition, I'll probably watch a Batman movie this year as well. But I'm not sure which one yet. It might be Batman and Harley Quinn, though, since I'm going to be wrapping up Batman Day by recording my second podcast episode, which will include a review of that film. Even though every day is Batman Day for me, if I'm being honest, I really had a lot of fun with what DC Comics has done with the official Batman Day these past few years. I'm looking forward to another exciting one again this year. It's my favorite holiday. It should be a special one, given that Harley Quinn is taking over this year for her 20th anniversary. Batman Day also happens to fall on Barbara Gordon's birthday this year. A Batman movie featuring Batgirl could be another fun option for what to watch on Batman Day. Perhaps Sub-Zero or The Killing Joke? Or maybe Return of the Joker, since both Harley and Barbara are in that one. I've got a few to decide. Well, Jordan, you got to let us know which one you did end up watching to celebrate your Batman Day. But for me, I just uh, went to the comic shop to pick up my books, and then you know I saw the Harley issues there, which were cool to see with those covers. Especially, I like the Dark Knight Returns homage one, where you see Batman and Harley just jumping in the sky with the lightning. So <laughs> that's how I spent my Batman day. Uh, did you do anything, Jake, for Batman day? Watch any movies? No, um, we did not. My son has a has a has an Affleck one of those like Batman masks or whatever, and he mm. wears that all the time. And I totally I totally spaced until I think later that day and I was on online and I saw the hashtag and I was like, Oh no. Um but you know, we he's five and a half and he's at that stage now where he's seen uh the Batman, the cartoon the Batman. Okay. And so I did a rewatch of that with him and I don't I really like that show. That was a pretty good show. Um, and it's good for him being five and a half. It's not super serious. Um, the animation gets better towards the, the season five, four or five or whatever. Um, so, you know, there's constantly some type of Batman, uh, and Lego Batman is big in our house right now, as I'm sure it is in a lot of houses. So, yeah, <laughs> uh, it's, 
so no, nothing specific on that day, but you know, now that he's getting older, we were just talking like, you know, when can we show him like Batman begins and, uh, you know, when is old enough to, to watch that. And yeah, there's a couple of scary parts and do we cover his eyes or we just wait till he's older or what do we do? And, um, but the time's coming. So I'm, I'm just like, I'm, I'm waiting with anticipation for yeah. <laughs> those movies. So. Yeah, I'm sure that's going to be an awesome moment when you can mm-hmm. share those Batman movies for the first time. Yeah. So, yeah, and like you said, Jordan, every day is Batman Day for us fans. So. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but he continues to say, okay, a couple of questions to wrap up this email. Since it's the 25th anniversary of both Batman, the animated series, and Harley Quinn, what are your top five favorite Harley Quinn moments from the DC animated universe? I see the I say the DCAU because at first I was going to say Batman, the animated series, and say that the new Batman Adventures was fair game, but I also wanted her appearance in Superman the Animated Series and Batman Beyond Return of the Joker to count. Then I figured I might as well include all the DCAUs since she appeared in Static Shock and Justice League as well. I'm not including the Batman and Harley Quinn since I still can't figure out if it's in the DCAU canon. And quite frankly, moments from that movie might actually dominate my list if they were to be included. Anyway, with all the qualification requirements out of the way, um, here are mine. Some of them are just quotes, because that's the easiest way to refer to the scene in general. The scene where, or number five for Jordan is the scene where Joker puts Harley in a fish head costume in the laughing fish. And number four is, don't you want to rev up your Harley, mad love. And number three, I want a lawyer, I want a doctor, I want a cheese sandwich in World's Finest, the Superman, the animated series. And then uh, number two, the scene where Harley walks Bud and Lou through the street, Harley's holiday. And number one, nice guys like you shouldn't have a bad day. Harley's holiday and Jordan I'm just going to go ahead and say it right now our number ones are exactly the same <laughs> that moment in Harley's holiday is such a great moment where Batman gives her the dress that she actually paid for even though she's going back to Arkham and she just says you know and Batman tells her I had a bad day too once and then she says that line nice guys like you shouldn't have a bad day that was great so some of my other favorite Harley moments or lines was uh, from the man who killed Batman where uh, she's playing the, the kazoo or something <laughs> while Joker's giving his after he gave his eulogy speech, and then she she says, uh, "You put the fun in funeral." That whole sequence is just great. And then another one I really like is just Mad Love as a whole episode. It's like I said before, just a great Harley Quinn story. But the moment that I think really you know captures Harley as a character is where Joker pushes her out that window, and she still blames herself. She just says, "My fault. I didn't get the joke." And even at the end where she's saying she's not going to fall for him anymore, he sends her that little rose and she just says, and she calls him an angel going right back in to falling in love with him. So that moment, Mad Love, it just really captures the whole Joker and Harley relationship and just, you know, how messed up that relationship is that she always goes back to him. So those are some of my favorites. Do you have any favorite Harley Quinn moments that jump out at you, Jake? Uh, None that I could, like, off the top of my head. Um but, you know, she was – the animated series was always really good. Um, I'd have to go back and re-watch some of them, um, uh, you know. But of the animated series, no. I thought she was great in Suicide Squad uh, for a more yeah. recent uh, thing. Um, yeah. Cool. Yeah. So, Jordan, second question is, given that it doesn't look like we're getting a fourth installment anytime soon, how would you rank the three films in the Jason O'Mara Batman trilogy? Is that a good name for it? Why not? It's easier to say than the DCUOM. <laughs> Those abbreviations is too long. Uh, yeah. So his ranking is 
Or he says, I just came up with it now. Perhaps the Damien Wayne Batman trilogy would be good too. But that sort of makes it sound like Damien is Batman in those movies. Anyway, for me, it's number three, Son of Batman. I'm just not a fan of the Talia Bruce romance, and I don't think the story is as strong as those of its sequels. But there's a lot of great Damien moments in that one nonetheless. Number two, Batman Bad Blood. I find it weird that they introduced uh, Kate Kane and Luke Fox in this universe before Tim Drake or Barbara Gordon. I don't particularly care for Dick as Batman. But it's a really exciting film with an awesome villain, and at least Baz gets a cameo at the end. And his number one is Batman vs. Robin. While this is not a straight-up adaption of The Court of Owls, it does a great job doing its own thing with The Court. I think The Court of Owls is very frightening in it. I'll never forget how creepy the doll maker is in that film. And the mystery is very well done. Also, there's no Bruce Talia stuff, which is a plus for me. I love that film. Well, for me, Jordan, this one's going to be easy because it's exactly the same list as yours. Number three is Bad Blood. Number two, Batman. Or number three is actually Son of Batman. Number two is Bad Blood. And number one is Batman vs. Robin. I really love that movie. I think it's one of the better DC animated movies with Batman. What they did with the Court of Owls, like you said, it was different, but yet still kept the essence of what they are. And there were some amazing fight sequences for Batman and the Talon. So that one is my favorite. Do you watch much of the animated movies that DC puts out, Jake? Uh, I want to, in theory. Uh, <laughs> I'd love to see them, uh, especially the one with the Court of the Owls. I was, um, I have a hardcover of that run um, uh, by Snyder. Nice. And, uh, did you I get got the mask, it. too? Yeah, uh, did I get the what? Did you get the Court of Owls mask with it, too? I didn't get the mask, but I was at um, a Baltimore Comic-Con in 2011 and they were both there and i got it signed by both of them and uh it's greg capullo right Mm -hmm. yeah he so he um this was before they released kind of any uh like stuff of like their joker yet and he uh he said something he was like yeah i went to this panel with him and he was like, look, if you guys want to see it, you got to convince me to let you see like these rough sketches that I have for what we're going <laughs> to release. And so somehow on Twitter, he was saying all this weird stuff like, that his grandparents used to tell him but that he used to believe. So I went up to him and I said, hey, uh, my grandpa used to tell me that if I ate a watermelon seed, uh, it would grow in my stomach. And that was one of the things that would freak me out because I believed it. And he got a good laugh about that. And, <laughs> we talked, and he was like, all right, I'll show you. And he showed me on his phone this rough sketch of what he had going for the Joker and what it ended up being. And it was just like, I don't know. I looked at him and then I looked back at the thing and I looked at him and he was like, yeah. And I was like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's pretty, that's pretty awesome. Um, so that was kind of a cool moment. But uh, their whole run was great. And uh, I, I knew that there was kind of an animated thing that was that was based around that. So I want to check that out. Like I said, man, there's I've, I just started watching movies from like, 2015 we're trying to catch up from like two years ago with with these kids so uh i have a very long list of, of films that i gotta catch up on gotcha well definitely add batman versus robin on that list because i think you'll like that one if you enjoy <laughs> snyder and capullo's court of Owls. Mm-hmm. so yeah that's an awesome story though that you got a little sneak peek at the joker because yeah. <laughs> that joker design i love what they did yeah it was awesome. cut up face that's really cool all right jordan as always thank you for your email and your questions and next up we got a short one from mark who hasn't wrote in a long time, so it's good to hear from you, Mark. He goes, Hey, Dane and Tim. Hope you're both doing well. Things have slowed down on my front with the twins. All my Batman enjoyment has been in comics, and I have to say I really enjoyed Wars of the Jokes and Riddles. 
What are your thoughts on this arc? Any indie comics you've all been enjoying? Well, War of Jokes and Riddles, first off, it's kind of been hit and miss for me, as I've said in the reviews, so I'm hoping it ends on a high note, but it's been good these last few issues. I'm hoping it continues. And indie comics, not so much for me. Yeah, just kind of sticking with the main DC stuff, uh, Spider-Man for Marvel, and the Ninja Turtle and Power Ranger comics from IDW and Boom. So not much indie stuff, just the main uh, stream comic companies, books that they're put, putting out for me anyway. Uh, he continues saying, I haven't really been able to watch baseball, but it does look like both the Cubs and Yankees will be in the playoffs. Dane, it's time to come to the Cubs. Spare yourself the pain of being an A's fan. <laughs> well, I'm sorry, Jake. I would ask you who you're rooting for in the playoffs, but uh, Anyone I know it's not going to be the Yankees. <laughs> uh, i just hoping they make it out of that wild card game. If they do that, I'll be happy. <laughs> well, this is, the first, this is the first time you guys have been in the playoffs in a couple of years, yeah? 2015 was the last one. Now they lost the wild card game in that year, which is like unheard of for you guys. So I mean, I mean, I, I no, no. You know what? Funny Yankee story. So we're in California. We're on vacation. Uh, the day before we leave, my mother-in-law gets out this Yankees like little league shirt that my sister-in-law used to like the team that she was on or whatever. Uh-huh. She's like, "Oh, you can give this to Calvin." And I looked at her and I said, "Absolutely not." <laughs> and she was like, "Well, why? It's just a T-shirt." And I was like, "Look, you don't understand." We're not taking the shirt. And uh, so the next day, I find it packed in our stuff, man. So I, <laughs> I take it. I take it in the house, and I put it on the couch. And I was like, we're not taking this. She's like, what's the problem? I was like, you don't understand. The Yankees are the worst team of any team in the history of sports teams. Uh, and my <laughs> kid will never wear a Yankee shirt ever. And the family's looking at me like, what's going on? I was like, you guys don't understand. I'm an Orioles fan. It's a Yankee thing. Like, I can't, I just can't do it. Uh so we didn't oh, take the shirt. Um, <laughs> well, as much as it hurts me to hear that, I totally know where you're coming from, and but I respect. At the same that. time, like I can appreciate Jeter and everything he did for for them, and just as a player, and I, I have baseball appreciation kind of trumps uh, individual team stuff. So I can appreciate sure, yeah. you know what they did, but God, I remember growing up and like hating Bernie Williams and Paul O'Neill <laughs> and when Tino Martinez went to the Yankees from the Mariners and they were so good. I was like, Oh man, it's happening. And they won like five titles. And Knocked you guys out of the playoffs a few times. Okay. <laughs> All right. We didn't need to go there. Um, so yeah, it was, it was a, it was brutal being an Orioles fan because then Mike Mussina was 10 That's years plus right. yeah. and then he went to you guys and it's like, man, come on, Mike. Like, why you gotta do that? So, um, yeah, you know, we've had our chances the last couple of years and, and we've had such a bad rotation the last few years and injuries and that kind of stuff. So hopefully, you know, I still believe in Buck. I think that he's, should be around for a long time. Uh, yeah. but I was going to say, gotta give, I got a lot of respect for Buck Showalter, what he does with the Orioles. I mean, they're not, some years they're not expected to be that good and they're in the playoffs. Most years, man, they're kind of, even though like on paper, they're always, they're always better than people predict that they're going to be. Um, this year we should have been a little bit better, but our rotation kind of took two steps back and they lasted a while for at least the first two months. They were right in the thick of things. That's the thing. And then Britain got hurt and then, uh, and then Chris Davis got hurt and then everybody kind of had like these nagging things. And now my biggest fear in the world is after next year, Manny's going to sign with the Yankees and I'm going to cry about it for 10 years. And, uh, you know, so (laughs) I, I, I wish that he would go if I want him to stay, but if he goes anywhere, go to like the Cubs, like I don't really care. 
go to St. Louis or go to Detroit, but just don't sign with the Yankees. Go to the Mets before you go to the Yankees. Um, <laughs> the only thing that might not make that happen was Yankees have a really good infielder prospect who might come up next year. Good. Make probably going to be a third baseman. So. <laughs> Call him up. Girardi, he, bring him up. If he's as good as projected, Manny might not be in the cards. So. Hope he comes up and hits 45 home runs, so that'd be awesome. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I got him and Judge hitting 50. Yeah, I'll be all for that, too. <laughs> um, yeah, anybody but the Cubs, or anybody but the Yankees. Uh, so, you know, sorry, but I hope they get swept. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just excited for the postseason in general. I think there's going to be a lot of good series this year, I mean, despite if the Yankees make it out of that wild card game. So. Have, you ever, have you ever been to a to a Yankees postseason game? No, I haven't, but geez, <laughs> I would love to. So it was 2012, and I'm living in, we're living in Pennsylvania at this time, and we're like an hour, so we live in southeastern Pennsylvania, we're like an hour from Baltimore. Uh, my cousin calls me, and he says, hey, what are you doing tonight? I was like, I don't know, nothing really, we're getting ready for dinner. He goes, be at my house in half an hour, I got tickets to the game. And it was uh, Yankees-Orioles, um, uh, uh, I think it was the wild card game? Like, uh, no, they played the division series. The Orioles won the wild card game, then they faced the Yankees. The okay, perfect. Series. So it was like the last game. Uh, uh, it was like game five or whatever it was. Whatever it was. So we went, and we ended up... No, no, no. I don't think it was the clinching game. Anyway, we went to this game. Yeah, because the first three were actually in Baltimore, then they moved to Yankee Stadium for the last two. Okay, so then it was one of the first three games, and we go there, and it is just going bananas, man. So Camden Yards is the most beautiful park you've ever been to. And when it's packed and when the Orioles are rocking, it, there's no better park to go to. And the last out of that game, we were behind home plate, and it's just a great game, and we're winning. And the last batter is Rodriguez, A-Rod. Mm-hmm. And he ends up striking out. And I was so full of joy watching <laughs> him strike out. Uh, in Baltimore, when my team won, that I was, it was the greatest. Um, and that was the only kind of playoff game that I've ever been to. And I was, I was floored, man, because at that point, it was like, it's been since 97 since we were in the playoffs. So it was a big deal. Um, well, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I can't, the atmosphere of those games must be so, so cool. Oh, it was awesome, dude. It was so great. Um, so, you know, I miss, I miss being able to go there, uh, kind of frequently, but, um, you know, Seattle, it's fun to go to Mariners games. I don't mind rooting for them. Yeah, they just need to make it to the postseason finally. <laughs> yeah. They, they, but see, they're another team that they're supposed to be good every year. And then they yeah. They fall on their face. And they're always so close, too, by the end. Yeah. They just fall short, yeah. And I feel like Felix, like, he's good for, like, three months, and then all of a sudden he's either hurt or he's not great for the last six months of the year. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah, and it sucks for him, too. Like, he's way past his prime now, and he never got to fit in the postseason, like, being as dominant as he could be. Yeah, I just remember what was it, two thousand one or two, when they had that like hundred and two win season, and they were just on fire. And then the playoffs happened, and they just they just flattened, man. Yep, and um, they knocked them out. The Yankees. Oh, really? <laughs> bring that up. So sorry. Um, but yeah, you, uh, you could just counter with uh, the Arizona Diamondbacks in the World Series. And get oh, that was the one. Depressed. My brother yeah. stayed up. <laughs> Um, and we watched, uh, uh, what was it? Luis Gonzalez. Yeah. Mm-hmm. With that, that's that bloop, that little single up the middle. Yeah, man. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Arms up, run around. The, that was, that was awesome. 
If I can change any Yankees loss in a playoff season, it'd be that game. Like, even the 3-0 Red Sox, which was a disaster in 04. I, I could live with that if they won that 0-1 season. I love sports moments because I was, I remember, um, I was in college when that one happened, when, when you guys were up 3 nothing, and then it's 3-1, and then it's 3-2, and then it's 3-3, and then you're thinking like, there's no, just, just no way. Um, you know, because then it, was that the was that the same year that Boone hit that home run? No, that was the year after. The year after, okay. yeah. Um, for a couple of years, man, going back and forth, and to see that renewed as a baseball fan was amazing. Because um, you had that, you had the bloody sock, um, you had so much that was happening, and that three zero series is that the one where, where Ortiz game winning home run at like midnight or like one in the morning, and then they had another game that night. Yeah, 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 he got the walk off hit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> that was pretty great. Uh, <laughs> yeah, sports is fun, man. So yep. those are cool moments. But uh, go anybody else. Boo-hoo. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I, like I said, I'm just excited for the postseason to get started. It's always my favorite time of year. So. Yeah. Right, Mark continues saying, Have you guys listened to the new Portugal the Man album? I have to say, it's fantastic. I still feel In the Mountain in the Cloud is the best album, but I recommend a review of this one. Lastly, I feel DC Comics has done a great job with Rebirth in Metal, sold over 250,000 copies. I feel they have won back a lot of goodwill from the fans. I feel Marvel is a hot mess right now. <laughs> I'll be in San Diego on October 5th through the 9th. Hint, hint, wink, wink. <laughs> Take care. Uh, thanks, Mark, as always, for the email. Yeah, San Diego, it's not too far. It's not really close either, but it'd be <laughs> awesome if we could maybe hook up or something to hang out. That'd be awesome. But and no, I haven't heard the new Portugal of the Man album. Just that one you recommended when uh, back we were doing album reveals. But I I did like that one you gave us, so I would probably check out the new one eventually. But right now it's mainly just uh, listening to Foo Fighters, Concrete and Gold, <laughs> nonstop. I gotta say. So if you do you like the band The National? Um, I can't say I'm too familiar with them. So check them out because uh, a lot like Foo Fighters, they they released an album like a week or two weeks before Concrete and Gold came out, and I was really looking forward to it. I loved all of their stuff prior to this. A friend of mine that I met on Twitter introduced me to them, uh, and then this record um, that they just came out with is such a kind of a departure, and it's kind of more like electronic vibes to it, but it's still them. Okay. Um, so it's a it's a, it's another one of those records where it's it's a departure from what they used to do, but it's still really great. I know that um, uh, Paul Herman never got back to me about those songs I sent him, so I need to call him out and see if, uh, if he, he liked a lot of He hasn't that. listened to them. Well, I guarantee you he hasn't listened to them. <laughs> That's <probably> true. <laughs> um, uh, Paul, is, Paul is hilarious because you can pick his brain about anything, and especially like Seattle stuff. And yeah. He is so educated on music and uh, bands that have come and gone and uh, old school punk and you, you could talk to him for hours about this stuff and it's so much fun to just sit and listen to him talk about everything. Yeah, uh, he blows me away with like bands that I've never heard of. And just like, man, like is yeah. like you, you said, it. his knowledge of music goes way back. It's impressive. Really. <laughs> it's how yeah, much it's almost knows. like, you know, I almost like, why doesn't he have a music podcast that, cause he could, it would be number one on everything. He, we could just, just sit there and listen to the guy talk. Totally. Uh, yeah. But he's so educated. And I, 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 now I'm gonna I'm gonna text him when this is over and ask him if he listened to the song. <laughs> and he's uh, made me like a, a playlist of like songs and bands that I never heard of that he thought I I should check out, and there yeah. was some good stuff on there. So yeah, yep. um, but 
Yeah, he's great. He's fun to talk to you about anything. But um, yeah, so check out the National. Um, I'm going to see Iron and Wine next month in Seattle, oh, cool. um, which is I'm really looking forward to. Um, but yeah, it's basically Foo Fighters for the next six months for me. Um, but uh, that's yeah. where I'm at, new music wise. Yeah. Yeah, Foo Fighters and I, a lot of Tom Petty right now because I just saw him this oh, past man. weekend. Oh, man, how was that? That, that was, was amazing. Awesome. That was a great show. Well, you know, you know that Dave could have been the drummer in that band, right? Yep. <laughs> oh. That Saturday Night Live performance where he played the drums with him, it's really cool. And the fact that, you know, he – I was on the Back and Forth documentary that Foo Fighters put out in 2011 where he just says, you know, I'm hanging up the phone with Tom Petty telling him I'm not going to join his band. I mean, talk about dilemma, man. (laughs) Like, to be the drummer in the Heartbreakers or to go off and do your own thing, like, like, that's not an easy thing to, 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 to say no to. I know, man. Um, but you know, you got to admire the guy for his guts to be like, you know what? I'm going to try this thing. And here they are 22 years later. Uh, maybe the last great rock band uh, that's out there. So, you know, I don't know. I love them. They're they. I I remember listening to uh, the first album I got was Color and Shape, and I remember hearing uh, track seven. I think is is my hero, mm-hmm. and hearing that, and then hearing Hey Johnny Park, and then hearing Everlong, and being like wait a minute, this is the same band. Like, I love all of these songs. I didn't know it was the same band. Um, and then being in eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, and going to the mall and buying There's Nothing Left to Lose. And then just, you know, even now as an adult, that's such a chill record to put on when you're driving or whatever. Um, so these guys have been with me since I was, you know, 12 years old, which has been awesome. Yeah, they're probably the only band I can say I was with them for the very beginning. Mm-hmm. Because mm-hmm. even as a like little kid, getting into like around eleven years old, eleven and twelve, uh, when uh, Nirvana broke up and Kurt died, and mm-hmm. learning how to play uh, guitar and bass through the unplugged performance, I was a big Nirvana fan. And then hearing you know Dave Grohl's going to so start good. his own uh, band and like his own project. Okay, so kind of keeping track of when that's going to mm-hmm. come out. And then remember just being blown away when the first Foo Fighters album came out, and just man, like this guy, <laughs> like he. He was an amazing drummer. I think the greatest drummer ever. But mm-hmm. when I first heard that Foo Fighters album, to seeing how great of a songwriter he was and mm-hmm. a guitar player and a singer, it just blew me away and just became a diehard fan ever since. And I don't think that's ever going to change. If you haven't seen, Lars Ulrich has a, a podcast I show. saw that about two did weeks you, ago. Did you, did you watch it? Yes, it was awesome. Oh, it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's such a fun conversation. And then uh, Dave was – they were on Howard Stern like last year or whatever – and Howard dropped this bomb that he he heard this rumor that Dave wanted to re-record the first record with with yeah. everybody's been in the band now, and he yeah, was like, I heard about that. "I just want to do that." And Dave was like, "Well, because that record's just me, and it doesn't sound like how we sound." And most of those guys, so Chris was the last one to join, and he joined in '99, so he's been with them for 18 years. So the fact that uh, he would want to go re-record them because they've all been together now for so long as the five of them and six with Rami now that he wants it to sound like they sound, not like he sounds. And at first I was like, oh, how could you ever do that? But then part of me is like, you know what? We've heard all those songs. They play them live, so we know what it would sound like. But that first one, I feel like you can't really touch that one because um, that was the very first one that he did with things that have been in his songbook for four or five years and – 
it was such a, a milestone for him to, to go do this post Nirvana, post everybody and just kind of do this thing. So I hope he never does it, but I heard that and I was like, Whoa, that'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Part of me, I was the same, but like, I wanted to hear that too. Like what would that album sound like with the whole band and, you know, mm-hmm. probably a much higher production value <laughs> than that yeah, one was recorded yeah. with. So, but I also understand too, where it is kind of the sacred thing where you probably shouldn't be touched either. So yeah, probably all uh, worked out in the end. <laughs> Yeah, so, you know, but yeah, they're easily my favorite band of all time. Um, and so, you know, I'm just going to keep listening to them forever. And now, like, they're such a dad band now, and I can say that because I have kids, and now my son's, like, picking up on songs that they sing, so it's like, oh, whoa, this is kind of trippy, but... <laughs> hey, that's cool. Kids are already developing great taste in music then. <laughs> yes, 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 yes. <laughs> All right, so that's going to wrap up our listener feedback section. Thanks, Mark and Jordan, for sending in your emails, as always. Always appreciated. And with that, I can go ahead and get into our comic book reviews. And for this episode, I'm going to be reviewing Batman number 31 and Dark Knight's Metal number 2. And as always, spoilers are ahead when we're talking about these issues. So if you haven't read your books yet, might want to hold off and then read them, come back, and listen to the review. And for our rating scale for this one, I think I'm going to go with uh, redesigned Batman characters that just didn't work in the new Batman adventures. So that will be my review scale. So first off, Batman number 31. So like Jordan alluded to, this one was mainly, you know, setting up what looks to be the final confrontation between Batman, Joker, and the Riddler. And I did like that opening sequence with the Joker, like you said, Jordan. It was very creepy, and Joker just being very menacing, you know, asking someone if he would remember him. And when Joker tried telling a knock-knock joke and the guy answered, who's there, Joker took it like, oh, you don't remember me. How could you? And then he just kills him. And then the whole thing with Batman Riddler and a bunch of other villains going to intercept Joker in his hideout in this building, like is that Catwoman is climbing up there, scoping out where the Joker's at. He finds her and then he shoots at her. She falls, but she's able to catch herself. And, you know, we know she survives since this is taking place in the past. But like you said, it's still kind of cool to see her in action in her old Catwoman outfit. So Batman, Riddler, and a bunch of other villains like Croc, Kite Man's now on the Riddler side. They're all going together to infiltrate Joker's building and these massive kites that Kite Man has. So we see all these different Batman villains with these almost like paragliders just flying in the sky about to bust in on the Joker and take him down. And yeah, so as I said in my last review for Batman number 30, that issue, my biggest gripe about it was Batman and Kite Man not acknowledging how, you know, Batman said he was going to take the Riddler down for killing Kite Man's son and how Batman can just casually work with the Riddler because of that after he told Kite Man. So in this issue, it was resolved. It did make for a good, pretty good payoff where Batman and Kite Man were actually working together to take down the Riddler, at least stop the rest of his gang and the other Batman villains who were working with him to all gang up on the Joker. So Kite Man and Batman developed in their paragliders this, you know, parachute, pretty much this high pressure parachute that just once activated takes them out of the building and puts them all out of commission. So I did like that Batman and Kite Man did have a backup plan or just pretty much from the start had his plan to take down the Riddler and all his men in order to, you know, make the fight a little even because <laughs> with all these villains, Batman and the Riddler to take on the Joker, we know Joker didn't stand a chance, but we know we had to even the playing field. And I'm just glad Batman did kind of keep his word to Kite Man and to take down the Riddler. So that, that one made the other issue a little better for me. So that one did its job here. But Riddler's able to take down Kite Man just with a punch after he realized he's betrayed him. And then it's just Joker 
Riddler and Batman about for, to have their final face off. I should have mentioned too that while uh, Joker was after Riddler and his men infiltrated the building, Riddler gave Joker pretty good beating. So Joker was out of commission for a while, but he comes back at the end and they're about to have a face down between a face off between the three of them. And curious to see how it's all going to go down. We know Batman's probably going to come out of the top, but what's going to be the reason why? Because the whole point of the story that he's telling Catwoman is something happens there that, you know, no one knows. He won't tell any, anyone about it, but now that he proposed to Catwoman, he wants to, you know, tell her everything and to know what really went down and, you know, what kind of person he is and who she'd be marrying if she says yes to that proposal. So I'm curious to see what this big moment is. It's kind of being built up a lot. So hopefully it doesn't, you know, become a letdown where it's something really small. And it's like, it was all built up for that. I don't want that to be the ending. I don't believe it is something really good that makes you, you know, whether question the outcome, whether what Batman did, if it was right or wrong, just something that's a little more deep and not just something anticlimactic. So sometimes comics can go on that route, but I'm hoping it's not the case for this one. So this was a solid issue. I'm going to go ahead and give it three and a half out of five uh, Batman characters that were redesigned for the worst in the new Batman adventures. And then Dark Knight's Metal number two. This one was a crazy one. <laughs> this series, uh, one thing that's going for it that both issues did well, part one and part two, was that the beginnings are really fun sequences. The first one had a great a scene with the Justice League and they're, you know, getting those mech suits that made for a fun Voltron style Justice League type action sequence. And this one is where the Justice League are chasing after Batman uh, for what happened in the last issue. And Batman, right away, they don't try to hide it. They show a bunch of different Batman on motorcycles <laughs> trying to run away from the Justice League, like Green Arrow, Zatanna, Blue Beetle, Superman, Wonder Woman. They're all chasing him. So they made it pretty clear that Batman doing his best to evade them. And it's, you know, members of the Bat family and dressed up as Batman, like Nightwing, Jason Todd, Batwoman. So as each member of the Justice League catches them, they realize, oh, it's just a decoy. It was someone else disguised as Batman. And so the great moment, though, was when Superman thinks he caught up to Batman. He's just pleading with him, you know, like, Bruce, I'm your friend. We've known each other for a long time. Don't do this alone. Don't try to stop this, you know, invasion of Barbados on yourself. Let us help you. And, you know, Superman kind of tries to reach Batman, like, friend to friend. And Batman does reveal to him why he's doing this alone. I mean, there's a whole – he reveals that the whole point of this Barbados wanting Batman to bring him out from the dark universe reality is – Batman needs to be endorsed in five versions of this heavy metal uh, substance. And that has happened to him four times already. And it makes reference to events in the Court of Owls, uh, death of the family. And uh, when he came back after uh, – uh, why am I blinking on the name of that Joker story? Oh, Endgame. Wow. It's one of my favorite stories that I blinked on the name. But what happened at Endgame when he got his memory back? And so there was these different moments where he's been infused with this metal and there's this one more – that they need in order to open this door to the dark dimension. But we realize once he's telling Superman this, that's not really Batman as well. It's just Clayface impersonating Batman and Superman and Wonder Woman, you know, they try to scramble on where Batman actually is. And then we find out through uh, the scene with uh, Kendra as she's visiting all these other immortals, which looks like the hideout for the Legion of Doom in the old Superfence cartoon. And, you know, they reveal what they think Batman is going and what he's planning to do to stop Barbados from entering this dimension. He's going to go to, you know, the tomb of Hawkman's first life as Prince uh, Khufu and Kendra reveals, you know, that's where he's going. That's not where it is. I mean, that's the resting place. I 
removed it and destroyed it. What's there is just, you know, a false uh, tomb. That's not the resting place of the original Hawkman in his first life. So Batman doesn't know that. And he's bringing, uh, <laughs> I don't know, if you haven't read the Dark Side War stories, this would probably be a big surprise where he brings a baby version of Dark Side because at the end of that story, Dark Side got transformed into an infant. But he looks like Dark Side. He has the outfit, he has the eyes. It's just the baby. And knowing what happened in uh, Infinite, or not Infinite Crisis, Final Crisis, where Darkseid zapped Batman with the Omega Beams and sent them back in time, Batman wants to replicate that because if he goes back in time to the point where he first went in, you know, the prehistoric age and stopped, because that's the starting point where this creature Barbados first re- recognized Batman and wanted to use him to become this door and portal way for him to enter this dimension. So Batman wants to go back in time, stop that from happening, thus stopping Barbados from knowing who Batman is and using him to open this uh, dimensional door. But like I said, this tomb wasn't actually the resting place of Prince Khufu. It was uh, actually the place where Batman, the last place he wanted to be because this is where the doorway in Barbados was going to use to enter in this dimension. And it gets revealed that the Court of Owls were behind this too and were aware of this you know, prophecy slash setup that they knew Batman was the key to bringing Barbados back. And they go back to this way back in ancient history to the tribes of the bats and birds and how they left uh, the birds to join the bats and were following Batman's life pretty much from the beginning, waiting for this moment. So they dosed Batman with this final uh, form of metal, which ironically was named Batmanium. Yeah, they could have thought of a better name for that, I think. But anyway, they dosed Batman with it. The portal opens. And a bunch of these like goblin style creatures of dressed in Robin uniforms come out of it and start killing the Court of Owls members. And then we get the reveal that not just this creature Barbados enters, but it's these different parallel versions of Batman from the dark dimension that are all part of, you know, going to be in these one shot comic stories where, you know, you got the Green Lantern Batman, the evil Flash Batman, the Ares Batman, the Aqua, Aqua Woman Batman, I should say. And then uh, these different versions of Batman that you know, these evil versions of him that we're going to see how the justice league are going to have to deal with. So um, it was a pretty, like I said, a crazy issue, a lot of weird, strange stuff happened, but it was a lot of fun to read that panel revealing the different uh, Batman from the dark dimension was great. And I love the designs for a lot of them too. Like I said before, the Ares Batman and the flash Batman looked really cool. So uh, probably not going to get every single tie in one shot <laughs> issue of these different uh, dark Knights Batman, but uh probably get a couple like the green lantern one and the aries one because i'm a big green lantern fan and the aries costume looks cool so i want to check those ones out but it's going to be interesting to see how they deal with this and how bruce is going to come back so i'm just still a little you know 50 50 on this whole thing of batman being you know kind of this predestined character because that was the key to this dark dimension i know it's because he went back in time but uh, part of me just doesn't like batman being that important to this grand scale uh, universe-wide event so i'm gonna see how it all plays out but i'm still 50 50 and not sold on it yet but it was still a fun issue so i'll give it uh probably a, a solid four out of uh, batman characters that were redesigned for the worst in the new batman adventures so if you're not keeping up with comics jake you probably have no clue what i was saying in this review for dark knights no. <laughs> that's a lot of crazy stuff <laughs> If you were to jump onto the story, there's a lot of backtracking you would have to do. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> like, like a lot. Yeah, not only does Batman comics, like I said, pre even pre-New 52 stuff with uh, 
Grant Morrison's Final Crisis, like a bunch of stuff that's tying into it. So Scott Snyder build it up as that so it's not too surprising but at the same time too you would need to be prepared to get into dark knight's metal to get the full <laughs> enjoyment out of it so all right so that's going to do it for our comic reviews and for the episode so yeah as always you can go ahead and check us out on our host site at the batmanuniverse.com and you can follow the batman universe on twitter at batman universe then you can follow us on twitter at the bat fans podcast and if you want to send us an email you can go ahead and send us your flash shots or anything on your mind uh, to pants at gmail.com you can follow me on twitter at tmg311 and jake where can people uh, twitter is i am jake lane cool. and again jake thanks for coming on this was a lot of fun to chat with you for the first time off of twitter so <laughs> it was great to have you on thanks man this was uh this was lots of fun we gotta do this again yeah definitely so thanks everyone for listening and we'll see you next time Son